Welcome to Game Face, episode 223 on Sifted Games at sifted.net. I'm Shane Satterfield, your host for the show. We're here every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Twitch, streaming live. And then the show is archived for our patrons and folks who are members on our YouTube channel, I should add. You can now become a member to Sifted on YouTube and get all our content early. Just click the join button and check it out. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, alongside me for this week's show, I have Matt Kyle. What's up, Matt? Hey, not much. Matt, you're just talking about some crazy space sim indie game that's got you all wound up. Yeah, I, I found this game on Steam a couple weeks ago uh, called Spaceborn. Yeah, I've never even heard um, of it. Which it's it's not a major release. Uh, it's, it's early access, pretty much. But it's as far as I can tell, it's by one guy in Turkey. Wow! And like, it is kind of everything I want in a space sim. Like, it's it's everything is janky. None of it quite works right. A lot of stuff is clearly made with like you know like stock assets and, and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you fly it's, you, you fly around in the ship. Like in dogfight stuff and pick up things, and then like when you when you're exploring stuff or like warping back and forth around the solar system and stuff, it's all done like kind of point and click, like more like a like an RTS almost. Uh -huh. And like so that's how you do mining and, and exploration. And like it all it's like like there's like 50 star systems and planets on every one, and like stars various like anomalies you can find. And then you get to start like space stations. You walk around as your guy, and like you level yeah, up. Sounds with like a dream for you. And, and, all, and like add <laughs> stats and this stuff. I mean, I mean, it, it, it's like yeah, nothing quite works like the way I can tell he wants it to work. But like I've played it like 40 hours. Wow, and, like, it's like 15 bucks, I think. Dang. Like, so look, if you like space stuff and aren't afraid of like total like jank on a level of like, this isn't done, uh, like, and figuring, it reminds me of like, you remember like old P old computer games, you had to sort of like spend a day figuring out Just figuring out how to play the game. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, what is, what is X? <laughs> what like, I don't know. Like, how do I jump? There's no possible way to know. Yeah. Um, but like that kind of thing, if you, if you can deal with that, um, go check out Spaceborn, born with a U. B-O-U-R-N-E. Like, there you I, go. I, 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 that's my indie pick of the week, I guess. <laughs> uh, for this week's show, we also have Mitch along with us. He's handling TriCaster duties today. What's up, Mitch? How is your uh, job? And uh, now you have a housing hunt as well, right? How are those going? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I found out <laughs> how to move out of my apartment at the end of this month uh, because I am renting it from a subleaser um, company and they won't rent the apartment anymore. So it's been probably the craziest <laughs> week since I've been here. I, I, I and that's saying something, it. man. It's that saying is saying something. something. You probably have really the craziest been week of the my ringer. life, let's be honest. Like, yeah, it's nuts, man. Um, proud of you for sticking with it, though, bro. And you keep chugging along and stay positive and hopefully some stuff will break for you. And yeah, moving uh, to LA is not easy in any circumstance, but you really picked the year to do it. Yeah, you picked the wrong year, really. And well, it's not even any year. It's really hard. Like, I know oh, so yeah. many people. I know people that were here... When I moved here, <clears throat> excuse me, that had been here for years before I got here, who have since moved back to wherever they came from. Um, it's just really hard to survive here. It's so cutthroat. It's so expensive. Um, well, in retrospect, yeah. like, I don't regret moving out here because the, my employer I used to work for, I found out but like months ago that my department was on furlough. So I would have been well, out of work anyway. You would have lost so your job anyway. I would have lost my job anyways. And they're still on furlough right now because I, I worked with people with disabilities. So we didn't want to make right. anybody sick. They're susceptible, yep. like all Makes that kind sense. of stuff. So 
I don't regret moving out here. It's just a crappy situation to be in. Oh, man. The worst timing. The, the worst possible timing in over 100 years. <laughs> it's just crazy, man. But anyway, Mitch is here. He's handling our TriCaster duties. He's also going to pitch in on some discussion in today's show. And we do have a great show. Uh, a bunch of big stuff has happened this week. I played like three... I wouldn't call them indie games, but like B-level games. I haven't done that in a long time. <clears throat> so it's interesting to kind of check in on those games that aren't quite 60 mm -hmm. bucks, but aren't quite 15 or 20 bucks. They only recently kind of came back as a thing. Yeah, it seems that way. Uh, and I did check out three of them. We're going to talk about those in today's show. We're going to talk about Grounded, which is the mm -hmm. big release of the week. Uh, we're going to talk about Avengers, which had a big blowout uh, this I've week. I've been doing, so I did, uh, because of the G4 announcement, I decided to finally go back and rip all my, the duplicate DVDs of X-Play episodes that I had them make for me before we all got fired. Um, to, to hard drive so I have them backed up and not just on a CD laying around in, a, in the garage, right? Yeah. And like going through some of those episodes, first as a, as a trip, but some of, some of the, I am was continually amazed at the games we reviewed that we, we put on to. television. And I'm like, I have no memory of it. And some of them <laughs> I'd be watching them and I'd be like, I wrote this. I no, absolutely, I know, I know this. I actually wrote this and I have no memory of this game at all. Oh, Matt, I can go, there are literally maybe a couple hundred games that I've reviewed that now, like, I don't remember hardly anything mm -hmm. about them. Like, not that long ago, I was like, man, I've worked for a lot of publications that no longer exist. And I did a lot of work for those publications. And obviously, the work that I did on those publications, in a lot of cases, wasn't sold to somebody else. And it's just, it's just floating out there. So I was like, maybe I should, like, start grabbing my old reviews from my hard drive and post them on Sifted. The ones that, obviously, there weren't legal issues with where somebody owned them still. Uh, and I was just shocked at how many, one, how many reviews I've written through the years. It was mm. like mind blowing. But two, how many games that I wrote like 2000 word reviews for back in like 2002, 2004. And I don't even like remember playing the game. Mm -hmm. Like it's that old saying, how that old saying goes, uh, I've forgotten more than you know. Like in, yeah. in a lot of cases, if you've been doing something for a long time, it does end up being the case. I wish I could remember everything. Unfortunately, yeah. I'm when not I, a savant. So. Like I posted a picture of that, I, a screenshot of it was Guy Branham uh, dressed as Mr. Belvedere with Eric <laughs> dressed as Gandhi from one of our awards shows. <laughs> and he responded and he said, uh, you can find a tweet in, in yeah. the timeline probably. But he said, said, there's nothing more terrifying than seeing, seeing something you have no memory of, but no 100% that you wrote. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right there with you. So anyway, we have a great show for you guys today. I hope you guys are excited. Uh, thanks to some of the people who already hooked us up with Twitch Prime early in the show, Minority Games, uh, Mr. 60. Thank you guys for Twitch Prime. It is a huge help. Another one thing I want to mention is uh, Patreon just turned over for the month. And usually I cry on the first of every month because our Patreon almost always goes down like two or three hundred bucks on the first. First of all, this month it did not, which made me very happy. But what made me more happy is that this this month we have the most give me credit patrons that we've ever had. And those are people who are pledging $30 or more per month that you maybe may or may not be seeing scrolling on the bottom of the screen right now. I can't see the, the program, so I don't know. I did it but, earlier. So. Okay, but that this the most we've ever had for our give me credit patrons. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I can't say it enough. Thanks to all our patrons, whether you give us a dollar or whether you give us a hundred dollars, we appreciate every single one of you guys. Uh, I was very, it was a pleasant surprise to see on August 1st, August 2nd, that for once our Patreon did not take a huge nosedive. Um, so next we're going to talk about the poll of the week. And you guys are probably like the people, you people who are really on it are like, where's the new poll of the week? It's not up yet. I'm honestly 
still working on the new poll of the week. There wasn't any really big news this week. Everything's kind of dying down from the E3 replacement events at this point. So I'm still working on the new poll. However, we had a great poll last week. And as I've said the last couple of weeks, I judge our polls based upon how evenly the votes are distributed. And in my opinion, last week's poll was terrible. This week's poll is a little better. And the poll was very simple. Um, it was just the Xbox Games Showcase dot, dot, dot. And then you had five options. Uh, the first option was sealed the deal for me. I'm buying Xbox Series X now. Sec second option was it nudged me towards Xbox Series X, but I'm still thinking. Third option was it pushed me to PlayStation 5, meaning what you saw from that showcase sealed the deal for PlayStation or at least pushed you that way. And then the fourth option is it sealed the deal for PlayStation 5. After seeing the showcase, you decided, okay, it's PS5 for me for Gen 9. And then the final option, which I almost didn't even put in the poll, is didn't change my mind at all. And the reason I didn't want to put it in the poll is because I knew if I did, it would probably get the most votes and it would strip votes from, I think, more interesting options. But I put it in there anyway because I believe to make the poll fair, we kind of had to. So... You guys are probably seeing it on the screen already, uh, but the winner of the poll was didn't change my mind at all. Uh, second up was sealed the deal for PlayStation 5. The uh, third no, most popular. Sorry. sorry, it's actually pushed me to PS5 is 17, sealed is 16. Sealed is 16. Okay. Correct. Okay. Yeah, my my numbers on my notes here are incorrect. So 16 for Seal the Deal, 17 for Push Me to PS5, and then the two options that were highly favorable for Xbox Series X got 9% apiece. Uh, Seal the Deal, I'm buying Xbox Series X, and nudge me towards, towards Xbox Series X. So I think all told, if you really look at the results of this poll, it's all very bottom-heavy, and bottom-heavy means PS5-heavy. So... 9% said that it actually was encouraging for them and that it actually made them want Xbox Series X more. Um, well, actually, I guess that's 18% if you keep those two categories together. And the rest of the poll was either it pushed me away towards PS5 or it sealed the deal for PS5. I think a lot of the people um, didn't change their mind at all. I think those are just fans and they're, you know, they like the PlayStation or they like the Xbox. And I don't know if there's a lot that either could do to kind of change their mind. And so I think they probably fell into that category. Uh, Matt, any insight that you have uh, from these numbers? Um, not really. It seems to be pretty expected. I actually voted for nudge towards PS5 uh, because if I were kind of a non-industry consumer and was just sort of trying to, I wouldn't, you know, be probably trying to decide between one or the other because otherwise yeah. that's way too much money to spend that isn't like a write-off kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I would, uh, I feel like this, I would already have been leaning PS5, but I feel like this would have just nudged me further in that direction, just because there wasn't anything compelling to argue for a launch purchase for the Xbox. And there is, just in the form of Insomniac and, just Insomniac, Ratchet and Clank and Miles <laughs> Morales is more, like, yeah. that double threat is more, I don't know if Ratchet's going to be launched, but it said holiday. Yeah. Um, so, like, just that double threat is way more compelling than anything Xbox had to show for launch window, so... I mean, that's, that's kind of how I lean with it. It doesn't surprise me that like most of it is, you know, didn't change my mind because I feel like we kind of knew like, and honestly, if you're skeptical about Xbox, I feel like that presentation was pretty in line with what you probably expected. Like it's kind of 
in line with what they've been doing for years. It's like leaning on their three big brands and everything else is just way down the line promises. Yeah, so, I think the disappointment with Halo Infinite might be some, the curveball that people didn't quite expect. Somewhat, I, I see so much like bleh in response to Halo in general that has been around for years and years now that I feel like, you know, even with people who have been unimpressed by Halo 4 and 5, which is uh, definitely me, I'm definitely one of those people, like that we're hoping that Halo Infinite would blow us out the back of the theater. Um, the fact that it didn't doesn't exactly shock me. You know, yeah, like that's a good point. So, I mean, it was wishful thinking. I think. Yeah, me. absolutely. I mean, I, I got, we knew that's what they needed to do. That's what we hoped they'd do. I think they knew that's what they needed to do. And the one thing I, you know, I know, like I saw on Twitter, a lot of people are kind of like, I, you know, you're really, you know, why is everyone saying all these mean things about this game? You know, you know, the devs probably feel horrible. They've worked really hard. And I'm like, I, you know, yeah. But at the same time, like, I guarantee you there's a lot of people at 343 that have been saying the same shit we have for years already that know what this thing is and know, like, you know, I bet the day after that presentation, there was a lot of I told you so going around at 343 Industries. Yep. Because um, those people are not making the, 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 the calls. Like, those are being made from a higher, higher up level. And, like, usually game devs know what they're making. Oh, yeah. Like they, they, know what, they know whether what they're working on is good or bad. And it's not yep. their fault. All right. We're going to go through some of your quotes from the poll. And this was also the most commented poll that we've ever done. So it was hard for me to find the best quotes, find ones that represented kind of all the options in the poll. But I did my best. Uh, first from Robert Grossgard. I was already sold on PS5 because I know the game franchises I'll get to play, but the showcase made me not at all tempted about Xbox at launch. And I think that's important here. Yeah. I think a lot of people are just looking at the launch and saying, if I have to choose um, which one to plunk down a lot of money on right now, the other option maybe is looking a little more inviting. Yeah, that's uh, we'll, definitely a key. I mean, look, I am in when Fable comes out. Sure. Like, and that's how if, he yeah. finishes, actually. Uh, we'll see about Fable and Avowed when the time comes, but those mm -hmm. are years away. So I think... A lot of people are feeling like Robert. Uh, next up, Retro Pietro. Uh, honestly, didn't change my opinion. I was always buying a PS5 day one and will monitor the Xbox situation. I can play Halo on my Xbox One, and Fable is the only other franchise I'm excited for. Mm -hmm. um, next, next up from Cinetike. I have a good PC and I have a good PC and Game Pass Ultimate. I've always preferred Sony's exclusives, and recently Microsoft Game Pass Ultimate allowed me to be a Microsoft customer, whereas I couldn't be because I could not afford both consoles. Another good point. This presentation pretty much reinforced the value of Game Pass and didn't change my mind. Yeah. Uh, Game Pass was the story there, even if they weren't aware enough of it to push it. Yeah, like, they didn't physically. push it, but when you come away from that presentation, it was kind of the takeaway from it. And then the last comment is from Brad Bernian, um, and, he's a, and he's all in on Series X. I've been locked into the Series X before it was even announced. I love the Xbox ecosystem. I love Game Pass. I prefer the controller. Xbox is just more I, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. Xbox is just more comfortable for me in general. I know it'll be a while and after Halo before big exclusives come, and I'm cool with that. In the meantime, I can catch up on games I missed this gen and previous through backwards compatibility and Game Pass. Again, completely fair argument. Yeah, I kind of I kind of feel with that. Like that's yep. I certainly prefer the Xbox controller. Um, I prefer the Xbox, you know, Xbox OS is a is a slow moving juggernaut, but like I kind of still like it better than the crossbar nonsense that PlayStation's been stuck on for three generations now. Um, I honestly like the nav better on um, PlayStation than Xbox. I don't. I don't. Although like I do like that. You I don't can like the long pin, horizontal string. Pin anything that you want to the dashboard on Xbox, whereas you mm -hmm. can't. Like I just discovered that this week. I finally cut the cord and got rid of Directv this week. Finally, after talking about it, thinking about it for years, 
I finally did it and I got YouTube TV as a replacement. And it's basically I installed it on my Xbox One because I never use it. So now it's mm-hmm. like turned into like my cable box. So it's it's nice that I can pin YouTube TV to the home on that. I tried to do it on PS4 and you can't. You have to go mm-hmm. into the media menu and then that opens up a new menu and then go across that menu and select it. But otherwise, I generally like the PlayStation's navigation more. I just wish you could pin stuff better. Yeah, I, I don't like anything about the PlayStation navigation. Generally, it's, I find it very unintuitive. But it's apparently going to be completely different for it looks five. Like it's apparently, be good, so yeah. Um, also, it was interesting that this week. Um, so some of my, I have some friends in a in a in a uh, chat. It's not actually a Discord. It's IRC because that's how old. Wow. Um, <laughs> but they they're all a bunch of old school PC, mostly PC gamers, and like well, you're on them. IRC, so. Yeah, I've known them for, you know, 20-some years and stuff uh-huh. online. And a bunch of them did pick up uh, Ghost of Tsushima. A couple of them picked oh. up PlayStations for Ghost of Tsushima. Wow. Because they knew they wouldn't be buying a PS5 because they don't want to spend that much money, but they'll get a pro and now and kind of deal with it. Yeah. Um, and just the sheer burning hatred of the DualShock 4 from these people <laughs> is because I'm used to you know, I think I don't like the DualShock 4 very much I don't like the PlayStation's controller design and haven't forever but like DualShock 4 is fine like I can play it just you know, switching back and forth I don't think about it much but these people who had never really held one much before haven't you know mostly play on PC using like an Xbox controller for their PC if they need one oh my god the fury the f- yeah. And like the hatred of the touchpad specifically, <laughs> like just, yeah. I, I mean, like I'm like fair, like I, players. I wasn't arguing with them really, but I was, I was just a little surprised at how much of a visceral reaction they had to having to use the DualShock 4. So I, I'm fascinating. I, I, I don't have really have, I didn't really prove anything to me, but I was just like, well, that's <laughs> anecdotal. Yeah. I, I I like the DualShock 4 just fine. Um, I probably still prefer the Xbox controller, but I'm okay with DualShock. Mitch, DualShock 4 what? is the first one I like just because they made the sticks concave and my hands yeah. don't slip. My thumbs don't slip off the stupid mushroom sticks anymore. Agreed. Yeah, PlayStation 3 controller, I hated. Hated. Yeah. Absolutely. Mitch, what did you uh, respond with on that poll? Uh, I did pushed uh, because... Like it was Push you just, towards PS5? Yeah. I mean, if I was going to be, I thought of it the same way as Matt, if I was looking at it agnostically in regards to like, if I had to choose one, um, I just knew Xbox had to blow out a show and that was not a blowout. So I just, there's just no way I would buy it at launch. So. Okay. All right. It's time to get into the show proper. But before we do, a word from our sponsor. Ready to get away from it all without losing all the comforts of home? DeShazer Ryan Realty has a once-in-a-lifetime 200-acre estate for sale in Libby, Montana that gives new meaning to the phrase roughing it. This eye-popping main lake house on this sprawling estate has four bedrooms and bathrooms, phone, and internet. There are also separate guest and caretaker houses. It's the first time this property has ever been for sale, so don't let the chance to buy a slice of outdoor heaven pass by. It can be yours for $3.4 million. If you're interested, no matter where you live, contact Doug DeShazer at 406-291-1643 or DeShazerMT at gmail.com. He can also connect you with local realtors who can help you with your specific needs. If you want to see more, head on over to www.snowshoeranchmt.com. That's snowshoeranchmt.com. 
I mean, I am looking for housing, but I mean, not 3.2 million to drop on that thing. <laughs> That's a good one, Mitch. <laughs> it's a bit of a commute, too. Yeah, yeah just a, a bit. bit. Just a little bit. You know, a flight. Uh, <laughs> I'll have private jet. How about that? If you can afford that house, you at least probably have a helicopter, I would say. Um, <clears throat> uh, thank you to Deshays or Ryan Realty. They have, uh, they're going to sponsor the show for another month. So we've had two months of sponsorship from them. It, again, it makes a world of difference for us. So thank you very much. And with that, it's time to get into the show proper. We're going to kick things off with Marvel's Avengers. This game, has, to me, has been like a roller coaster ride. I was excited when they put out the teaser trailer because I was like, oh my gosh, Square Enix, Avengers game, going to be amazing. And we sat Special on dynamics that. Yeah, Avengers yeah exactly. When we sat on that for like a year and a half, we got the first trailer and that was the first dip down, like the first real trailer where you could actually see the game. And that was the first time I was like, hmm, I don't know. And then it's been like a like a sawtooth, like ever since. Yeah. Like, well, let's hear something good. We hear something bad. It's Here's been the opposite of the movies, where it's like early in the yeah. movies, I'm like, Iron Man? Like, you're yeah. going to make an Avengers movie? Okay, <laughs> sure. Why not? I'll see yeah. you on home video. But like, nope. But this has been like, you just took the most, pretty much the most valuable brand in, in entertainment right now and... Whoops. Managed to make it dicey. Like, how yeah. can that be? <laughs> I really don't know how this is going to go. Like, I don't either. I will say this, and I know some people will probably disagree with me on this because of one particular piece of news that was released. Um, I will say this. The presentation that they did this week got me more interested in the game again. Yeah. It was another I mean, up for me. <laughs> I, I definitely have more of a handle on what they're trying to do. I don't yeah. especially like it. Yeah. <coughs> I... I <laughs> I don't know. Again, I've just been up and down on this game. I don't know how to peg it. So I'm really excited to play it because it's it really is one of those games that I have failed to get a read on through. Mm. And look, I saw it in person at E3 and usually something like that kind of seals the deal for me. It just hasn't happened with this game yet. But I would say the stuff that we saw this week was enough to get me back on board and, and at least excited for the game again. So the big news was Hawkeye is going to be the first DLC character for the game after it releases. And keep in mind, this mm. is coming out pretty soon. It's what, September 4th, I believe. Yeah, it's a month. It's less than a month away. So month in the betas, I think, on the 7th. So yeah, I know some people up. don't like it when developers or publishers announce DLC before the base game comes out. And I can understand that on some level. Yeah. Um, this game, though, I think it's just sort of obvious i mean i think even when they first gonna happen right yeah and i think even when they showed it at, at um at e3 last year i was predicting hawkeye would be launch dlc anyway like i think uh, you did actually now that yeah. i think about it they said that it was the most requested character which yeah i understand because he was in the movies but otherwise like i hate hawkeye i don't <laughs> i don't even know why he was put in the i mean i do hawkeye, hawkeye's a lot of fun in the comics like uh he's he's interesting in the old days and then when once uh mad fraction turned him into hawk guy and he got his solo series, which is more of a comedic sort of down-to-earth thing where he's he ends up owning an apartment building and has to, like, deal with being a landlord on, like, the days he's not an Avenger. Uh, it's very funny. It's, yeah, it's extremely I tried to funny. Read, I tried to read his comics back in the day. I could never quite get into them, but yeah, you're this right. this is a much more interesting... And also, like, I, I think the main thing is what you said. You know, the more mainstream casual fans think of the Avengers as that core six group, that core six crew that was in the original movie, and Hawkeye's one of them, for good or ill... Yeah. Uh, so here we are, and of course, every every action RPG needs a needs an archer. Yeah, like you need they, a range. You need range characters. So and, I'm sure uh, there's several already in the game, though. Who who Besides doesn't? Uh, I don't think so. No. Well, I mean, I, mean, I think Iron everyone everyone considered? has a, well, everyone has a ranged option. Yeah. Even the Hulk. 
but right. uh, he can you, know, you can do different things with Hawkeye because he can't fly. So you can sort of give him a little more trick arrow stuff or like mm -hmm. where Iron Man stuff is more just damage dealing from above or damage dealing from in a spread. Like mm -hmm. Hawkeye can have the net arrows and the stupid boxing glove arrows and the, you know, explosive <laughs> stuff. And like, those are like, stupid. You can do tons of, you can do tons of AOE and DOT stuff with him that probably Iron Man would be more of just a strike character. So yeah. I can see that the value of him, um, you just have to also like, you know, a lot of this to, game it's is hard to get past tall. the fact that Hawkeye's played by Jeremy Renner and care. You know, yeah. so it's 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 a it, he's such a non-entity in the movies past the first. Avengers. I know he's just like no. a like a bit character in the films, but yeah. I don't know. I, the good news is I think he's just going to be the beginning, and we in fact know he's just going to be the beginning mm -hmm. because the other thing that was announced that I was alluding to earlier that probably angered some people is that Spider-Man is also coming to the game. Yay! Everyone is excited about that, but he's a PlayStation exclusive. So even before the game has come out, they've already started creating exclusive characters for platforms. Now, it could be a case that they eventually there's an exclusive Xbox character. That stuff has happened many times in the past, uh, but we just haven't heard about it yet. Mm -hmm. But I have a hard right time now, believing that, though. I think, yeah. this is, I think this is a specific case where Marvel wants to keep Sony happy. And because like, this would, would have been uh, Sony offering to probably pay for the development of this. Like, there's a very good chance that Spider Man would not have been in this game, at least this early, without Sony's, like, you know, money hatching, Pushing. basically. Um, and uh, also, the, he's going to be free, which is interesting. Um, so, like, what this, I, I mean, I've seen speculation that, like, oh, like, because Sony owns Spider Man. Well, no, Sony owns the movie license to Spider Man. They do not own the game license. The, the, the license, the, you know, the Insomniac game is a one off just for that thing. You know, they, they own the rights to the Insomniac version of Spider Man. They do not own the video game rights to right. Spider Man. Yeah. So, this, but to me, this, this might be sort of a Sony was like, hey, what if we did this? And because Marvel in general wants to continue making movies with Spider Man in them, and not hand the character back to Sony to massacre him further, like they're doing with all his villains. Uh, they maybe this might have been sort of a nice, like play nice, make good thing that they didn't have to do, but did just to keep, you know, keep things warm between the companies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so like that might have been part of it. Like you know, Sony seems to have sort of like this weird sort of Damocles hanging over Spider-Man a lot of the time, and. Uh, that's unfortunate, but the, the contract that they have for the film rights is just ironclad because uh, Marvel sold that uh, when they were real, real desperate in the 90s, and that's just how it is. It's a shame. So this is sort of part of the fallout of that, I think. Yep. Um, and it's a shame, but it did. I did go ahead and order it on, P on PS4. <laughs> it's like, oh, there you go. That's the version. Like, what, what else you are you going to do? you think people are rightfully angry about this? I mean, I can see why you would be, but like, it's not like they put it on Stadia. You know, it's it's like it, it's it's a, it's the leading platform. That's next, Matt. So yeah, I mean, you you put the X Men on the Xbox next, maybe. But like, and, and of course, like the other thing about Spider Man is like, I was the one thing I would say is like the exclusivity didn't super shock me because the relationship between Sony and Spider Man, uh, as removed as this might be from the different licenses they hold. But like, Spider Man is not really what I instantly associate with the Avengers. He was not an Avenger 
uh, until the early 2000s when the new yeah. Avengers started with uh, Brian Michael Bendis writing. Um, and he was never an Avenger before. Part, actually, part Again, of his it's whole all thing about the films, though. Yeah, part of his whole thing was like he was not a joiner, you know? Right. Um, so for 40 years, he was not an Avenger, even though he was invited to be a few times. And then he became one. And now, of course, he's identified as one sort of tangentially because of the movies. But everybody's an Avenger in those movies by the end of Endgame. So it's not, you know, even Doctor Strange being an Avenger yeah. is weird, too. <laughs> um, so, like, it's not like that is. I wasn't like super clamoring to play Spider-Man in this game because I didn't think I would. And also there is no way in, in seven blue hells that Spider-Man in this game is going to be as fun to play as Spider-Man in the Insomniac games. Let's like be, let's be honest. Oh yeah. There's no way his moveset will be way limited compared to Insomniac. So I understand like the, the, like I understand like, Jim Sterling's video about it makes the larger point that like this is just sort of a scummy way to drive people towards a particular platform because it's clearly a monetary exchange with no eye towards what it does to the consumer. But at the same time, you know, welcome that's to capitalism. How it works. That's how it works. <laughs> like that's it's like, bro, that's capitalism. That's, that's how, how it is. Free market is. I mean, if, uh, and and if as Fox those could have paid for the as same those thing. things go, uh, having to buy this, the PS4 version to play as Spider Man is pretty small potatoes. Yeah, you know, like no big. one's. Life Unless, is threatened by this. Yeah, yeah. And even if you only own an Xbox, is it really that big a deal that you have one character less? Like, I don't know. It, it yeah. seems like it's overblown to I me. I did but. see people um, complaining that this means that there probably won't be crossplay um, because there probably yeah, wouldn't be, you probably sense. wouldn't put Spider Man in the Xbox and PC yeah. version just so people could see a PlayStation 4 Teaser, player. Yeah playing as him so it's either no crossplay or like you can't play spider-man if you play crossplay which either way that sucks so that so i can understand that frustration because if you're on xbox and your friends on ps4 now but you basically have confirmation you won't be able to play avengers with them yep. um so that's I, that is a very valid complaint as well i would say for sure uh, vincent brings up and we should have mentioned it that all the dlc characters are free mm -hmm. so that's something to consider as I was, well. That's i knew the dlc characters were free i was just a little surprised that so the one sony paid to have on their platform was all so free like just that for whatever reason maybe that's just me thinking something thinking some way about sony but for some reason i was like i could see sony wanting five bucks for that you know yeah. even though even if the other characters aren't that way because it's special on their platform yep uh but they are all going to be free which is great and uh vincent also mentioned that it is actually coming to stadia so it wasn't a complete joke when we joked about Stadia. Yeah. You may actually get an exclusive character. Google has the money to throw around for they it. They do. I can't imagine what character I would want. I would. I can't either. Sign up for Stadia. Three man. Yeah, like, I, don't, I don't even know. <laughs> who would get me on Stadia? I can't even imagine. Is there a superhero IT guy yet? Have is, have they launched one of those? <laughs> Probably. Probably. Yeah. Yep. Some they get, for, they get it Forge. They get Forge <laughs> from the X Men in there. That's, yeah. They could use uh, him on the Stadia team. Frankly, he might be able to make it work properly. Yep. Um, and then the last big piece of news is that a beta is coming this month. Did you catch the release date for them for that, Matt? I did not. August 7th. August 7th. So like... Well, it depends on your platform. If you're on PlayStation, you get it early, which would be the which would be the seventh of this month. Xbox get Xbox and PC get it a week later if you pre-order mm -hmm. the game. And then there's I mean, a the entirely, anyway, and then there's a yeah. entirely open... It. Sorry, what? You have to pre-order it no matter what to get well, in the beta. Uh, no, not at the end, though. I think it's the 24th. There is a free open beta for everyone. And oh, okay. That is up to the lead up to the game. Yeah, but yeah, for I mean, the I, first dibs, you have to pre-order the correct. game. Yes. Yeah, and it's pretty clear that PlayStation Four is the lead platform on this thing. Like you're gonna yeah. like DLC is gonna be there earlier. Deal, I think is I think was Square Enix. Yeah. Square. That's the. Other, I mean, I've seen some people like say like really you should be you should be mad at Square Enix. 
for accepting this deal, um, especially on the back of what is probably a very lucrative license for them in the first place. Um, and that's a fair point too. Like Sony doing, you know, they didn't have to take Sony's offer on the Spider-Man thing, but they did. So. Yeah. The other thing about the beta is it's not just some like flimsy joke. You play you, the beginning of the game, which we talked about the last time we discussed the game that happens around the Golden Gate Bridge. Mm -hmm. It's basically when they're all framed for a crime that they Last did. year's E3 demo, basically. Yeah, and you'll get to play that, but there's a ton more. So after you finish that, you can continue like out into the world and mop up some side missions and things like that. They're also, they're showing a lot of the features that will be in the full game, like the multiplayer stuff, the dropship stuff. That's all going to be in there. So it really sounds like it's going to be a big, big beta. But again, you want to get into it early, you have to pre-order the game. Um, I can't imagine a lot of people at this point are already like, oh, I'm in, you know, on this game. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are still waffling and probably waiting for reviews. So oh, I, I would be too. But like, that beta is going to be, to be honest with you. I mean, I'm sure it'll be plenty. Like people, people like to be in early stuff. Like this is yeah. how it is. I got to pay for it this time though. Yeah, that's I've been on plenty of betas where, where, where that were like that, and they were they did not have a population problem. I promise you. Um, I mean, I I did. I, if I didn't, you know, I saw the beta for PS4 was August seventh, so I was like, well, I guess I got to do that, you know, because we're yeah. gonna want to talk about that next week, right? Yeah. But like, if I didn't have to do that, I'd probably be in full wait and see mode for that free beta on the twenty fourth. Like, absolutely. I think a lot of people are. Which and is I also which to be fair is how I got pulled into Destiny. <laughs> Like I wasn't interested in Destiny until a free beta went up and I played yeah. it for a while. I'm like, I really enjoyed this, so I'm yeah. gonna buy it. Like it, it can absolutely on me. turn opinion. Absolutely. Mitch, where are you sitting on this game at this point? Uh I'm at the free beta. <laughs> That's okay. where I am. I mm -hmm. I mean I just I, I'm not ready. I don't want a <laughs> Destiny game. I I don't need another one. And Marvel is not the kind that I would want out of a Marvel game. This is not what I want. But so you don't I'll want a game as a service based on Marvel properties. Yeah, I mean the way they're doing it, I just I'm I'm not sold on it. So you don't want this Marvel game. <laughs> this Marvel game, like right. I really liked Spider Man. Like I think what they did with Spider Man was amazing. I think just unfortunately they hindered themselves when they make team based games on in regards to what you can do with the characters, um, mm -hmm. the move sets, and mm -hmm. I think then it never really gives one character really justice in regards to like playing it and really feeling like you're playing like that character it's um, kind of like what matt was saying about spider-man about yeah. i think yeah, spider-man will not be spider-man is one of the biggest examples of that because spider-man is such a specifically weird character in terms of how he needs to play in a video game like there is almost also no a other specifically character. great game <laughs> right but <laughs> also like that uses all his moves like spider-man has always had a problem with that because like most of what spider-man does like if you make him a gameplay character doesn't translate to anyone else no, like, no. You like can't he, just like palette swap with Spider-Man. Yeah, he's not an archetype, you know? So yeah. he's like, you can kind of reuse a lot of concepts between like say Thor and Captain America and Hulk. Oh, yeah. Like they're all just sort a of punching of things. Yeah. Um, but Spider-Man as you know, he has to feel different. He has to be more agile. He has to be able to swing around. He has to be aerial and ground. He has to be able um, to clean the walls. Yeah. It, I mean, look how long <laughs> it took deal. look how long it took someone to nail Spider-Man gameplay yeah. as a whole making yep. individual Spider-Man games for 30 years. Yep. Like, that's how long it took. And don't yeah. give me Spider-Man 2, because all that was good in that was the swinging. Like, the rest of it was terrible. Yeah, and it, it really accurate. took Insomniac to really nail that. 
Agree a thousand percent. So there you go. That's Marvel's Avengers beta coming on Thursday. If you pre-order the game, you can go do it right now. <laughs> if you want to do that. <laughs> I'm not going to recommend it. I don't want to feel guilty. I don't want DMs from you guys on Sifted telling me that you went and paid for it and you hate the beta. Yeah. So I'm we're not going to tell gonna you. We're going to do, do it. it. We're going to do it for you. Don't we're worry. Put, well, we're, yeah, we're going to jump on the grenade. So don't feel pressured. We'll tell you what the beta is like. And I'm sure you'll hear about it all over the internet as well. So anyway... Um, it's do or die time if you want to get in early. You have a couple days here to uh, pre-order the game to get in the beta, or you can just wait till the end of the month to get in the open beta, or you can just wait like a week after that and the game's out on like in the first week of September. Yeah, there are many options on when to assemble. Yep. If, if at all. Yep. Next up, we're going to talk about a game that needs some assembling, uh, and that is Skater XL. So in last week's Sifted HQ, I covered another indie skateboarding game called Session, and it was honestly one of the most broken, frustrating, annoying games that I have ever played. And someone in the comments for that episode said, oh, well, if you hate that, you're going to hate Skater XL because it's even more so that way. And so I was like, all right, well, I'm going to check it out anyway. And I did, and they're wrong. Like, this game is way more user-friendly, way more. It's it, so... Session was all the way at the end of the of the sim spectrum. And then you have Tony Hawk that's all the way on the end of the arcade spectrum. Then you had Skate that was kind of in the middle-ish. Um, this is closer to like Skate, more, to, more in the middle as far as uh, its, its adherence to realism. And I would say it is pretty realistic, and but they handle it in a much more user-friendly way. So I talked about Session last week and how to turn you use the triggers. And I could never get a grip on it. It's like it would either turn too slow and then all of a sudden it would turn really fast. I could never get a handle on it. Skater XL uses the same system. You use the triggers to turn. However, there, there's fine adjustments with the analog stick. Um, and so you're not trying to fiddle with the triggers as you're lining up for an obstacle to do a trick. Uh, you can use the analog stick to kind of just barely nudge your board in the right at the right angle to get up on and do a trick. Now, Doing tricks in this game and landing them, I would say they're as hard as they were in Session, but because the game is better constructed, it's not as frustrating. So Session just has, like, bugs. You may land right on a rail and still fall off it. In this game, that is not the case. If you land correctly on something, you're going to ride it out, and you're going to land the trick. Um, and again, I'm okay with that. Like, if I work really hard to land a trick in a skateboarding simulation and I don't land it, that's like a deal breaker to me. But when you do land it in this game, it does feel really good. And I'll say this, as someone who skated for over a decade, it does kind of capture what it really, what the activity of skateboarding is. Meaning, when you go skating, you don't just like skate around all over the city and do tricks as you go. That's that's what Hollywood says skateboarding is. And in all honesty, a lot of skateboarding videos portray skateboarding that way. But that's really not what it is. What skateboarding is, is you and your bros get in a car and you go to a spot. You get out. You turn on the stereo inside your car and you stay there for like three hours. You have all your drinks there. You got a place to hang out. There's a lot of times you know where the bathroom spots are there. And then you just stay at that spot and you just skate all day doing tricks on the same obstacles. And this game does impart that on the player. And a lot of it is because it has a, a system where if you find a starting point where you just want to keep starting over and over and over again, you can mark it. So when you die in this game or you fall, you don't just like get back up. You immediately get transported back to wherever your, your marker is. 
Um, and at first it was very annoying because I'd skate way far away and I'd fall and then I'd reappear back at the beginning. Um, but once I started getting the handle on it, it was great because all you do when you skate is try the trick, land it, don't land it, skate back to the same spot, try the trick, land it or don't land it, skate back to the same spot. And this game replicates that perfectly. Um, as far as courses, there's like five different locations, but they're way bigger than the locations were in Session. They're way more stable. Um, like Session is one of those games where as you're playing it, you feel like it could just disintegrate at any time and just like crumble and fall apart. Skater XL feels like a, like a much more solid game with more realistic physics. Um, and it also does have the same kind of control scheme where the right analog stick is your back foot and the left analog stick is your front foot. But this one, it feels way better here. So when you skate and you start getting to like the advanced levels and you've mastered the ollie, once you ollie and you're in the air and you've flattened out the board, you use your front foot to direct the board to the ledges or to the rails or to go up over something. And a lot of skateboarding games that tried this two-foot control scheme doesn't get that. This game gets it. So I ollie, and then when I push the stick to the left, you see that front foot go straight to that, that ledge. And that's exactly what real skateboarding is like. Learning that control in midair, getting that flattened out point of the ollie, knowing that that's your point where you're in control and you can put the board where you want it. This game replicates that. So... There's a lot that I like about this game. There's a lot that I still do not like. Because as I said, skateboarding is all about going someplace with your bros and hanging out, listening to music. There is no one in this game. Nobody. There's no one playing online. There are no NPCs. There are no pedestrians. There is no one skating around. There are no cars moving. It is just a dead world that you skate in by yourself. And Session was like that too. And to me, that's a huge deal breaker. Like it just, you feel like you're skating during the coronavirus. Like, I don't know if you guys saw that awesome video where the skater in LA went skating in LA the first week of lockdown. Like he was skating on like the 405 and like all these huge highways that are usually jam packed. That's what this game feels like. Like you're in a city where the world ended and it, the only thing left is you and a skateboard. Um, and again, these are indie games, um, if, and they're primarily PC games, I would say, because the modding of these games is what really sets them off. And I played the PS4 version of Skater XL, and there are no user mods, obviously, for that. Um, but I started digging into like the PC version, and it's amazing what people are creating for the PC version of this game. But the vast majority of you are looking to buy it on console, and as of right now, there's like five locations to skate in. There are no modes, really, there's a trick list that you can check off and like just try to land all the tricks on the list. But there's no objectives. There's no anything. It's just you skating, trying to land tricks. So it's a very empty experience because you land something and there's nobody there to see it. It's like the whole, like, if a tree falls in the woods and there's no one there, does it make a sound? It's That's Skater XL in video game form. Do you um, think so if I, it had, like... If it had all the features like Tony Hawk does and Skate does, but like this is the core mechanic, do you think it would be able to compete and be better or as good as those games? Well, it would definitely be a better game than it is right now, without a doubt. Could it compete with a Tony Hawk? It's hard to compete with that kind of money um, would be my basic argument. I mean, no matter how, how talented you are, a team of 20 guys versus a team of 200, it's the chances of besting that team of 200 are really, really slim. So, you know, you're not paying full price for this. This game is 40 bucks, which I think is way too much. I'll say that as well. 
this game should probably be $20 with the amount of content that's in it. At least on consoles, it should be 20 or 30 bucks, in my opinion. Um, on PC, probably worth that 40 because of the stuff that people are creating. Not the stuff that the developers are doing, but the stuff that the fans are doing. Um, so I do think having more structure in this game would make it a better game. It would make me go back and play it more often because what I've discovered this week is that it's become kind of this toy that I fiddle around with. Um, like if I have 30 minutes here, oh, I'm rendering a video right now and I don't have anything else to do right now. I just spin around right here because this is where I like capture footage. Just spin around, play it for a little bit, put it down, go back to work. And I think for that, it's kind of a good option. Um, but I would say people who are big fans of Skate, I think you'll like a, you'll find a lot to like here, but not enough for me to recommend you purchase it. And everybody else, I, I hate to say it, but I would just say stay away, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, I don't think people who aren't skaters in real life are going to enjoy this game all that much. And as someone who was a skater in real life, and kind of still is, um, at least for my age, I'm about as close to a skater as I can still be right now, I don't recommend it for, for those people either. So it's great to see all these indies come in and you can see they all jumped in because there's like, there's a hole. They're not making Tony Hawk anymore. They're not making skate anymore. So these indie developers were like, Oh, there's a hole in the genre and we're going to fill it. Unfortunately, their games did not get to a good enough place in that window before another Tony Hawk is coming. And granted the new Tony Hawk one and two, the re the remake or remaster or whatever they're calling it is a different type of game. It's an arcade style game. And it is, you know, in Tony Hawk, you hit one button and you do a crooked grind down a handrail. And this, landing a crooked grind down a handrail, feels really, really good. So, uh, it's, they're different types of games, but I don't think the market is big enough to support two, two different games that are different styles. So, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. Skate is coming, a new Skate sometime, but it looks like they just started it, honestly. When they announced it, they're like, we haven't done anything. So... It's going to be a while. So these are going to be the options you have for skateboarding games, either the Tony Hawk remaster, or you're going to have to pick one of these indie games. And it's hard for me to tell you to pick up one of these indie games. If they were 20 bucks, if Skater XL is 20 bucks, I'd tell you all to buy it. Because I think you'll all find something rewarding in the game, particularly people who like games like uh, Dark Souls, games with a lot of challenge, where you really get off on accomplishing something in games, then I think you might like it. But, but otherwise, I'd just say steer, steer clear from it. You guys have any other questions about Skater XL before we move on? Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> All right. And with that, we'll talk about Halo Infinite. More big news. Two weeks in a row for Halo Infinite on Game Face, and for good reason. Last week, we talked about it because of its less than stellar showing in the Xbox Games Showcase. Uh, this week, we're talking about it because it appears that Microsoft is on damage control, and it announced something that should make everyone very, very happy. <laughs> and that is that Halo Infinite's multiplayer is going to be free to play for everyone. Before we get into the in-depth discussion, I just have one question. Why does anybody, anyone, buy Halo Infinite? If you really want to see how Master Chief gets out of this one? I mean, but I'd I say know. between... Game pass, game pass in between the, that and the multiplayer being free why does anyone buy this game who is going to spend 60 dollars on halo infinite 
people who really want a disc. <laughs> I mean, that's it though, right? People who just refuse to go digital, I guess. Like, yeah. but I think that's the whole point of Game Pass is you don't have to ever buy a game from them ever right. again. And I think that's just you just have to care. give them money every month. They just don't care anymore. So like, this shows more that they really don't care. Yeah, um, I. I don't know. I mean, it was funny because now journalists are starting to ask Microsoft in interviews things like, how are you guys going to make money? And how is this fiscally responsible? Or how much are you guys losing on this? And Microsoft has like answered back with just like chuckles. They're like, well, we're Microsoft. We'll be okay. So <laughs> Someone hasn't read the fine print. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what did we sign up for? I mean, they've been very respectful to the fans because, yeah. you know, people have been asking them on Twitter about it too. And they're just I mean, like, man, I mean, like, you when can't you think about it, how it's, much money we have. Like, <laughs> When you think about it, it's like, the end result of Game Pass is that I give them money every month, whether they put something out I care about or not. It's true. And, I, and look, most months... They don't put anything out I care about. <laughs> That's true. So, you're, but you're still getting, giving them 10 yeah. bucks. So technically, they're getting more out of me than they would if they just kept releasing something I cared about once a year. Pactor's so. math on that is pretty good, actually. When he just starts breaking it out, the average person buys this many games a year. And if they're not buying these in, like, it makes mm -hmm. more sense whenever he starts explaining the numbers. And sometimes all you need to do is look at all the stuff you could play to think out what great value you're getting and then you don't play any of it. Right. So they don't actually have to do anything for you. Well, it's like, That's you know, the free games you. with uh, the games with gold, free games with PlayStation Plus. Like, you know, if they took those away, I'd be all angry and I'd be on Game Face saying, that's garbage. I'm not getting what I, I've been paying for for the last however many years. But I never play those games. I cannot remember. I still claim them. I cannot remember the last time that I played, and although this month I might, Fall Guys, I might actually get into because it's kind of turning into like a thing on the internet. But typically, I do not even play those games. Like, I just got 12 free games. 12 from Twitch Prime. 12. Those of you who have not connected your Amazon Prime account with your Twitch account, as Pactor says over and over, what are you waiting for? Not only can you give us like a free 250 every month, which makes a world of difference for us, you'll get 12 free games this month. It's insane. Like I can't even, I'm going to do a segment for Sifted HQ in the near future where I go through all these services and just look at my library and try to just comprehend exactly how many games I own because yeah. I really have no idea. Like when I go to Twitch, it's you get the the notifications thing up there. I click it. I just go claim, 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 claim all the games. They go in my library. I don't even know where that library is, Matt. How do you get to that it's library? In your, uh, it's in your account on Amazon. Oh, it is. You like go I don't in even and see know. All your digital stuff. It's it's pretty crazy. I mean, you know, I did do a catalog of all my physical games a couple of years ago. Uh, I think I came out to like somewhere in the, the 1600 range. Yeah. Um, and that's not including everything because there are some stuff in storage up north that I still don't have. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you go through all the Steam stuff. That's like, and then like, I mean, I bought that Black Lives Matter Humble Bundle thing. Or no, itchy the itchio thing. Okay. Uh, and like, there's 1,800 games in that. Like, it's it's you know. And I I went through with like a thing and pulled out like the hundred most interesting ones, and I played some of those. Like, the digitally, my game library is beyond my lifespan. Yeah, I mean, I can start playing today if I just stopped today. Never bought another game. Never bought another console, and just said, you know what? I'm going to finish 
every game I already own. I wouldn't even make it a third of the way through before I was dead. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's is there a point where sat it's saturation? I don't even know. Like I'm becoming blase about free games now. Like as I'm, long as it doesn't take up physical space, I don't think it matters. Yeah, I guess it doesn't. I guess that's the beauty of digital is that it's mm-hmm. just all ones and zeros. And if you don't want it, you don't have to have it on your hard drive, and it's no skin off your yeah. teeth if you don't. So every once in a while, there's one that annoys me enough that I literally hide it from my Steam list <laughs> so I don't have to look at it. But that's that's only happens. I have like two or three of them. Yeah. Um, so let's get back to the free-to-play multiplayer. What is this play, Matt? Do they think that they're going to make enough money off cosmetics to Maybe? offset the... Or do they care about money anymore? I don't even know. I think, know. again, I mean, we've said it over and over again, but, or at least I have, but like I think they just want you in the ecosystem. Yeah. Like, they want you to play their games. They want you to be in the Xbox or ecosystem. They want you to sign up for that account. They want you to sign up for that Xbox uh, Game Pass. And that's all there is to it. Especially if Xbox Live Gold is going away, which it seems to be especially if this is going to be free to play. Like that's like the opposite of Microsoft's multiplayer strategy going back to 2002. Like it's crazy. Like this is a, this is a, you know, it's a, and people are kind of like, Oh, like free multiplayer is not super unusual anymore. Like certainly, certainly like Fortnite and all these games are like free to play uh, in yeah, general. They for don't multiplayer, have huge campaigns like, that took five years to make. <laughs> Yeah, but that's not uh, that's a separate thing, you know. So it's, well, now it is, but it wasn't because. So here's the thing. But I like what I'm saying people, is that it's like people are. I don't think people are treating this as shocking as it really is. Not just because of like it being, but because this has been this is the literal antithesis to Microsoft's mo of multiplayer going back to the original Xbox. This is a major sense. pivot. Because people buy Halo for the multiplayer. Mm-hmm. Look, most of those campaigns are ten hours or less. Convincing someone to spend sixty dollars on a ten-hour campaign in twenty twenty is nearly impossible. Well, this thing. So they've said that like this campaign is like Halo Four plus Halo Five, and then another game on top of it. So, so this gigantic. Is, this thing seems like to Infinite's campaign seems to be like a thirty-hour game. Okay. Um, now I don't know if I have have thirty hours of Halo in me to be honest. <laughs> because but you're right. Like, because by the time you get to that ten hour mark, I'm at least the last two. Yeah, games, I feel like that's about as long as it go. should be. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Not so much the first three, but the last two games. But it got to that ten hour mark. I was mm-hmm. like, I'm done. I'm good. Let's just wrap it on up. Like it just like, like five, yeah, especially four and five. It's like oh oh another room full of Prometheans. Really, all right. Oh, another switch cool. to flip. Yay. Oh, I got to yeah. fight the Didact again. Cool. Yeah, yeah that's They're fighting great. the same enemies over and over. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's a million reasons why, you know, those games kind of wore out their welcome early. I'm shocked I remember the bad guy in 4 was named the Didact. Yeah, I don't know why I knew impressive. that. Yeah, I don't know. You pulled that one out of your hat. But this is a huge, to me, this is a huge deal. I mean, it just it just shows that between these two decisions, that Microsoft really does not care how many copies of Halo Infinite it sells. And mm-hmm. I think that might be a little misguided because like it or not, typically how stuff is measured is how well it sells. And if Halo Infinite sells like 1.2 million copies or whatever it ends up selling because everyone got the multiplayer for free or they played it on Game Pass, I don't think that's a good look for Microsoft for its mar- for its marquee game. But then again, if MPD doesn't give us the sales numbers, we'll never get them because Microsoft doesn't give up sales numbers. So maybe all of this is a master plan that started way back when they stopped giving out numbers for hardware sales and software sales. And everything is just finally coalescing around the launch of Xbox Series X. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I don't know what their plan is, but I assume if anyone has access to data beyond anything we could imagine, it's them. Yeah, so they absolutely. must. They must 
have a play here. We just don't really know what it is. I mean, the ecosystem thing makes the most sense to me. I don't know, like, because it, it's clearly there's there's not there's an end game to this somewhere down the line. Like, we don't know what they plan to turn this into. Maybe we'll have a clearer idea when we get finally get the presentation that shows the OS and shows how everything integrates and what the new system, what the new subscription system is that replaces Xbox Live Gold plus Game Pass plus all like what all this is. You know, like I think we just don't know enough about the the, the guts of how this machine works and how the new kind of approach to the Xbox line works to know quite what they're after here. Um, and, and is, you know, I don't know if the slow roll on this is really the right way to go. Um, I guess it keeps us talking to some degree, but it doesn't feel like a very positive way of talking. I don't feel like everybody's talking positively about no. Microsoft. I don't feel like, it's like, like the podcast talking about this don't seem to be like, what could Microsoft be planning? It's, it's more like, what is Microsoft doing? Like, yeah, it, it, those are two different yeah. approaches. And I think the latter is more common than the former. And I don't think that's what you want unless you really got an ace up your sleeve. And if you really had an ace up your sleeve, where was that last week? Yeah, I mean, I hope you're right. I hope that there is some master plan that we just haven't figured out yet. And I hope they fool me. Like, I, it's, that's okay. I love surprises. So mm -hmm. I hope that what we're thinking isn't where it's all lead, where it's all leading. I yeah, just, I mean, they might be holding some stuff back because they know Sony hasn't gone yet. You know, they might. You know, Microsoft does not. You know, going first is probably not tremendously advantageous with this particular generation launch. Um, I wonder if there's some stuff that Microsoft's keeping in the back pocket in terms of what the system is or what it does just to kind of go after, you know, cause at some point this game of chicken has to stop cause you got to put these things out. Right. Yeah. So yeah. by, by mid September, you got to admit how much these things cost and when they're coming out. Yeah, so you would think, uh, then the final note was that there will be no loot boxes in it either. So mm. they're doing free to play multiplayer with no loot boxes, which means it's going to be buoyed by paid cosmetics, mm. which is something that pretty much everyone's okay with. Uh, rec packs were like the loot box of mm. the last couple Halo games, but they were handled great. Like there was no skeevy like practices going on in the last couple Halo games. So I think that's one thing that Microsoft in 343 has established that I'm on board with over the last couple games is how they handle post uh, launch content. I've been pretty happy with how they've done that so far. And it sounds like it's going to mm. be even better. I'm just Halo. interested, like, how much cosmetic stuff can you really pull out of the, the Halo thing? I mean, I, I mean, I know they have a lot of variants of this green. Like, they have a lot of variants on the Spartan armor stuff, but like, it remind. I I think about that when I uh, play Warframe, where like there's tons of of paid cosmetics for all the different Warframes and skins to make the different Warframe. But all those things look pretty much the same they to me, the same. and all and I'm just and none of them are particularly appealing anyway. So like I, I the same thing with the the Spartan armor. It's just like okay, like a slightly different helmet or whatever. And the other thing about the Spartan armor stuff is like. I assume not all of it will be paid cosmetic because like some of it is, I remember the, the, the recon helmet, the big deal about that was you basically had to get all the achievements in the game. Yeah. And like, so anyone running around the recon and helmet I'm fine on, with that. it was kind of like a flag that showed people's like, yeah, I've done everything in this fucking game. Like, yeah. I like a, that. Yeah, so that's totally cool. Like I like that better than I paid five ninety nine for this. Yep. For sure. Um, it's a badge of honor in a lot of ways. Uh, Mitch, has any of this changed your perspective on Halo Infinite? No, but I think it's a good idea for them to do so. Um, I think the multiplayer sell, a free multiplayer, is mainly a way for them to try to sell the console. Because um, then if you play the multiplayer, you like it enough, you have a Destiny-style Halo campaign, you like the gunplay so much, you can just then buy the, buy the game and play the campaign. I think they just need anything to get the people to buy the console right now because, like Matt said, even the Xbox 
fanboy podcasts can't come up with a reason to be positive right now about what's going on with Microsoft, which is a little disappointing because, you know, it's always nice to have good competition because it means great games for everybody. Um, but I think overall in the end, like, unfortunate enough is that Microsoft really hasn't had an A game in quite some time. Yep. Like even I played, so I, I subscribed to Game Pass so I could play Grounded. Um, so I got it for a buck, but I was able to play a little bit of the last two Gears games. And then I watched your game face back a bit and you guys were really impressed with the latest Gears game. And I was thinking about it as, you know, finally a Gears game matched what every other game is supposed to be doing at this generation point. They always seem to be gameplay wise, one step back. And to see that they haven't taken that step forward is why I kind of say they're kind of B-tier titles at the moment until they find a way to kind of adjust that. I mean, I would agree with that. Even in the context, I mean, Gears 5 is a really good Gears game, but it's not, you know, like there's a difference between Gears 5 finally refined everything down to like what I'd expect a modern generation Gears game to play like versus like Halo Infinite. I, w- I mean, in, in, a, in an ideal world, Halo Infinite would probably have been a reinvention on the level of God of War. And it sure isn't. So um, I think I think that's true. Like I don't know what that would be. It's not my job to figure that out. Yeah. But like um, I I do think that especially when you compare it directly to the competition at Sony, like even though Sony does have kind of a, the, the cinematic game AAA formula going on, like there just feels like there's more risk and daring coming out of that side than another Halo game, another Gears game, another Forza game. And so far we have not, you know, as, I, I don't think it's a, 10 years. Right. And I don't think there's a, I don't think it's a coincidence that there's the comment you pulled out. Uh, most of the comment, positive comments you pulled out were mentioned Fable. Yep. Cause Fable's the only X factor that really right. inspires a lot of hope right now it's moving true. forward. Sadly, it's true. Um, and then as, as some people have mentioned in the chat, um, there's going to be battle passes. That has not actually been confirmed by Microsoft, but it's been leaked by very reliable sources, which makes mm-hmm. sense. If you're going to be free to play, that's yeah. I mean, the structure that, that works now. Yeah, that's the how multiplayer pretty much works now. Um, or even f- anything, really. Fighting games do it, too. Yeah, um, it's true. God, even Samurai Showdown got another season. Who knew? Yeah, yeah, I know. I was shocked to see that, too. I was like, really? Okay. Uh, Don Lionheart, thank you for Twitch Prime, man. Appreciate it. Uh, so no loot boxes. It looks like the monetary part of it is going to be great for consumers. And honestly, that's yeah. all that matters to us. You know, and what? how is it going to affect us and our patrons slash viewers? And, oh, and it runs it's it, all it, good for that. And it runs at 120 frames a second. Yep, absolutely. So it, hopefully they can get those graphics looking a little better before launch. That uh, might explain why the graphics look like that, though. It may, it may be. <laughs> I mean, exactly. you may be exactly right. Because if they can't get the ray mm-hmm. tracing to run at 120 frames a second. Um, like my guess is you're going to have like a like a four full 4K 60 mode and like a 1440p 120 mode. like performance mode. Yeah, yeah, and you just pick whatever you want. Yep. And if you're serious about competition, you'll pick. You're going to pick the 120. Yeah. Yep. And if you just want to play casually and you want it to look good, you can mm-hmm. pick the other one. So, which would also tie somewhat in with that bit with Ori in the Blind Forest, or not? Blind, yeah. uh, well, the yeah. whisper they they tried to make sixty frames a second seem choppy all of a sudden. Yeah. It was like we just came off three generations of thirty <laughs> being the target, and you're trying to say sixty's yeah. old and busted now. I mean, props for trying to have that happen, but like yeah. I don't believe you. I'm not seeing it either. Like <laughs> yeah. you know, your eyes can only see so much. So. I don't I mean, know. To be fair, I mean, you know, you remember my my girlfriend who played uh, Overwatch all the time. Yeah, uh, we got a laptop so she could play on the road when she went to visit her parents. 
And uh, she came, I'm like, so did you play? She's like, no, nah, I couldn't play any of it. And I'm like, why not? She's like, it would only run at like 60 frames a second. And I play, <laughs> I play 144. And I'm like, oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> spoiled. Um, I think most of us are not that spoiled, however. Um, Probably I'm not. totally fine with 60 frames per second. I can handle it. Uh, more is better, obviously. But 60 frames per second, even 30 if it's locked is good enough for me. I'll just be mm -hmm. perfectly honest. I'm fine with 30 locked on like a single player game. Like, I don't, yep. It doesn't bother me. I have no problem with it. So... Anyway, that's the latest on Halo Infinite. I would say I'm not all that excited for the game, but hearing how Microsoft and Xbox are approaching it is exciting because mm -hmm. this is Halo, people. What happens with Halo? It could have a ripple effect on almost everything. I mean, you got to think about it. If you're a publisher and you're like, what? Microsoft is making Halo's multiplayer free to play. Yeah, most hmm. most prominently think about ours. Yeah, most prominently you got to wonder what Activision's thinking. Yeah, for sure with Call of Duty because they're like, oh wait, Halo's going to be free. Now what are we going to do? You know, they're already free to play with you know Warzone. their battle royale modes. So yeah. mm -hmm. it's all kind of heading that way. I think Microsoft just saw the writing on the wall and was like, why why are we going to be a shooter? Oh, this is also a game as a service that's going to live for several years. And they're probably like, what's it going to be like in three years? Oh, it's definitely yeah. going to be like this. So, or forever, since they say there's no forever. sequel. Absolutely. Yep. So there you go. That's the latest on Halo Infinite. Um, hopefully it gets you a little more excited for it. I know everyone's been kind of down on it over the last couple of weeks, and for good reason, I would add. I wonder what the uh, new Gears will be if, if they make that into a platform forever. Because maybe, maybe that's why Forza Motorsport is not Forza Motorsport Sport 8. It's just going to be Forza. Yeah. It's going to be a platform. And then Gears can be Gears of War, Gears of Forever or Gears something. Of War, like a, Gears of War ever. I don't know. Like, to Mitch's point about him playing Gears 4 and 5 and then feeling a little rickety, um, that's something that Dev and we did mention that when we talked about them. Is that their old design? They're very linear. Yeah. Um, I think the I think Gears suffers that the most. An overhaul. It's, it needs to be yeah. completely overhauled. I think Gears suffers the most from the fact that like the the hook of Gears used to be a that it looks so good and b that it did the cover shooting thing, which no one else really did at the time. Um, you know, if you hadn't played Kill Switch or War or um, what was the what's the other game? The N64 game, Win Back. If you haven't played those two games, you really hadn't experienced this before. And Gears has never really thought of a new hook. No. Since it then. borrowed someone other, someone else's yeah. hook and then never did anything on its own. I mean, the Chainsaw Bayonet obviously was one of its hallmarks, but now it's just like whatever. People don't even mm -hmm. care about the Chainsaw Bayonet anymore. It's interesting. It's how things go, though. It's like if you don't evolve, right. You die. That's pretty much how it works. So I agree that Gears does need a major facelift for the next entry. It really needed it for the last one, to be honest with it you. Did. But they did nail the old Gears very well. Um, and so it was still enjoyable to play, but it's long overdue for a big overhaul. Which I think people are in the comments are thinking I absolutely hate it, and I do not. I think I played the original Gears when I was a kid. I think the cover system feels great still in today's standard. Um, I just think all the other elements that they brought in, it felt like finally, you know, you do something a little bit different, but you can still do more to evolate, um, evolve the material, basically. Yeah. Um, I think for a big part of that, I think they were just trying to nail gears because it's a new studio working on the game. That's why I didn't really hold their feet to the fire with four. Mm -hmm. And why I did hold it to the fire a little more with five and why if six doesn't evolve, I will torch it. So yeah. we'll see and how it goes. Will, well, it'll be interesting now that Rod left. Right. Um, he's at Blizzard now. Maybe yeah, it'll be better. 
Because he's the Maybe. old Gears guy. Maybe he was the one who was like, this isn't Gears anymore. We need to make sure it's still Gears. Who knows? Maybe, but he, no he's, also the, he's also the closer. So right. that's, that's what I worry about. The finisher, yeah. So maybe Gear 6, we won't get it until like <laughs> Xbox Series Z or whatever. Who knows? Uh, next up, we're going to talk about a game I'm kind of surprised that Matt didn't play because this is a Matt game more than it is a Shane game, without a doubt. Uh, and it's called Hellpoint. Mm. Hellpoint is basically... Let's see. I it's it's a mashup of of like three or four different things. Um, the way I described it was it's a mashup of let's see, Dark Souls, Event Horizon, and Alien. <laughs> um, which a lot of you people will probably hear that and be like, "Wow, I love all three of those things. That's great." And I think the combination does actually work. For the most part, um, or so, it will when they finish it. Yeah, um, I have not. I didn't. It. I didn't play this. Be, I didn't play this because I saw too much, too many impressions saying it was basically broken. Okay, so I would not say it's broken. I would say it's a little busted at certain points, um, and, and I think a lot of people would argue, in some cases, the most important points, and that's combat. Uh, the combat in this game does not feel anywhere near as good as Dark Souls, or I would argue a lot of other action RPGs, to be honest, is kind of where the game falls flat. Um, there is a block and there is a dodge, but they're not like integral parts of the combat, at least at what I've played of the game so far, they aren't. Um, the, the enemies are kind of so slow and lumbering that you can kind of just like lock onto them and just dodge in real quick and whack and then get out of their way and then they'll lunge at you and then you can just kind of move back in. The other part, too, about the combat is that your attacks interrupt enemy attacks. So a very valid strategy in this game is just spam. Um, literally, just hit the attack as fast as you can because as long as you're attacking, they'll get staggered and they can't reset to then attack you. So a lot of the rank-and-file enemies, unlike Dark Souls, your chances of dying to them are very, very minimal. And that is actually something that I do like more than Dark Souls, because that's something that drives me crazy in Dark Souls. But the combat, the actual sword play, is a shadow of what you get in Dark Souls. Um, but it is very gear-heavy. So you play as a 3D-printed humanoid in this game. You're not even like a real sentient human being. And you are on a ship that is basically orbiting a black hole. And the danger is that the, the ship is going to get sucked into the black hole. And so you are this 3D printed humanoid thing that has been assigned the job of stopping the ship from going into the black hole. Unfortunately, the black hole has had a huge effect on the ship and that's where all the creatures are coming from. Another cool thing about the game is that the black hole actually affects the game itself. So at certain points, when you start getting too close to the black hole, new enemies will start spawning into the game. Like many bosses will start spawning into the game that normally wouldn't be there. So there is kind of a correlation between the plot and uh, kind of the overall premise. Um, the you have like a narrator in your head at all times, which again makes it all, all like a lot of sci-fi film tropes, and that is called um, the author. And the, this whole game to me just feels a whole lot like the deeper aliens lore. 
uh, because you really look like an engineer. I, I know, Matt, you can't see the the B-roll, unfortunately, mm. but but you look like an engineer from a from Aliens. Um, and then as you play, it's very gear heavy, just like Dark Souls. So eventually, you start getting armor and helmets and new swords and new shields. Uh, the second sword I got. And this game does have a little bit of God Eater in it, too, because some of the weapons are just, like, gigantic. Like, I got a sword that was, like, 12 feet long and, like, 3 feet wide. And normally swords like that, you know they're going to take a lot longer to land, but when you land, they're going to do a lot more damage. In this game, that was not the case. The second weapon I got, that huge sword, I was right about the part it taken forever to attack, but it literally did, like, half of the damage that my little skinny sword was doing that I got at the beginning of the game. So the weapon balancing seems a little off. Um, the game is a lot easier than Dark Souls. Like I played hours and hours and died like maybe three or four times. Um, but when you do die, there are bonfires. Um, but there are these like rifts in the air that you can go back to. And when you die, you, uh, you have to go back and collect your stuff. Um, so, again, that's a lot like Dark Souls. And you, if you die, you do go back to the Rift. And I would say this, that the save points are pretty few and far between. So there were times where I died, and I was pretty angry about it. Hmm. Um, so, look, it's challenging without being mean, I guess is the way I would put it. And if you, you guys have watched Game Face, you know that I feel like some of the From Software games are just mean-spirited. And I don't get that from this game at all. Um, but the other thing I would say is that the game feels very empty. There's not a lot of atmosphere. The graphics aren't amazing. Um, they're, I mean, it's a B-level, not quite indie, not quite AAA game. It's right there in the middle. But I would say this, like, I, Matt, I, I remember reading a preview of this, like, months ago where someone said it was, like, completely busted. So I also kind of had that in the back of my mind before I started playing it. But I didn't really find anything broken. There are things that are weird and janky, and there are attacks that maybe should land that maybe sometimes don't, which is a big deal in a game like this, to be sure. But I haven't really come across like any bugs or the game crashing or my character falling mm -hmm. through the ground or anything like that. I've just now seen have so much footage of people falling through the floor and, and missing completely, and it's... For 35 bucks, I'm going to wait and see if they improve it. Because if I really want to play a sci-fi Dark Souls game, I'll just play The Surge 2. Yeah. Uh, the other, there is a little bit of a yin and yang to the combat as well. So as you attack enemies, you get health back. And I don't think I got to the point of the game where it gets difficult enough where you kind of have to rely on that. Um, like I said, I've only died a couple times in the four or five hours that I've played the game. Um, so... I don't um I don't know that the difficulty like I don't like Dark Souls because of the difficulty. But I don't think people should be turned off to this game because of that. Uh because I do think it does a better job at least for more casual players of at least shoehorning them in. But one thing I did say is that yin and yang of the health thing it doesn't matter now but I have a feeling as you get farther into the game it absolutely will matter. Um, right now, I finish a battle, and I just see, like, these blue streaks, like, coming to my character, like, refilling the health. So, um, it may be more important later on. Right now, it seems a little bit frivolous to me, uh, based upon what I've played so far. Um, what other notes do I have? Oh, there's elemental stuff in the game. So, the very first boss fight, there, the boss basically freezes you. 
and you can barely move. You move like really slow, but there are vents on the ground that blow hot air up. And if you go over to the vent, it'll defrost you and you can continue attacking. And that aesthetic kind of carries through the rest of the game as far as like using the different elements and using them intelligently against different enemies based upon their archetypes and things like that. So there's some strategy and like, like an extra layer of strategy as far as that's concerned. And there is tons of gear in the inventory is almost like intimidating. There's so much of it. And so in a lot of ways, it is very much like uh, Dark Souls. And I saw someone asking me, uh, the, they fixed the ladder climbing and the platforming from Swanland. There's platforming in this. That was one thing I should have brought up. I figured you probably saw it in the B-roll. But you can jump in this game, which is weird for a game like this. Maybe I'm crazy to think that, but I just don't expect it in these games. And not only can you jump, there's platforming. You literally have to jump over gaps and like jump up and climb up on stuff. Um, and that is all fixed, uh, Swanlin. Uh, I've had no problems climbing or descending ladders. I've had no problems with jumping, anything like that. So Yeah, it, almost yeah. all Dark Souls games have jumping. Yeah. Uh, but, they just don't matter, usually. Yeah, it does matter. My point was it matters in this. Like, there's platforming where you have to get across platforms to get where you need to go. You have to jump across them, um, which is interesting. Uh, not something you'd really expect in a game like this. Um, but otherwise, uh, yeah, there are camera issues. That is probably the, the biggest problem I've had. Lots of times, like, you'll go around a corner, and the camera's too slow to catch up, and there's an enemy around the corner, and you get whacked a couple times. But again, I've only died a, a few times total, so it's not like a deal breaker. But if I would say, okay, there's some jank in it, that to me is where the jank is, kind of in the camera. Uh, there's some times where the camera, if you're running down, like, stairs or down a ramp, the camera will actually go below the stairs or the ramp. So you're seeing like the underside of the stairs, like hmm. it has indie jank like that. Um, but I haven't come across any game breaking stuff or anything where like, I can't complete this puzzle because it's not letting me pick this thing up. None of that kind of stuff. Um, would I recommend buying this? You already mentioned how much it costs. Oh, I don't know. Um, I got to a point where I kind of got twisted around because, again, like Dark Souls, there's really no waypoints telling you where to go or what to do. You just kind of fumble your way around until you find the stuff. And it is a ship, so everything does kind of fold in on itself. And you'll come out a door, you'll be like, oh, my gosh, I'm like back at the beginning again. Um, and so I... <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to play much more of this game, to be honest with you. Um, if somebody can tell me that there's something crazy that happens and it like flips the script like three hours in, I would probably stick with it and spend some more time with it. So I'm probably not going to play any more of it. I would not recommend someone buy this at $30. I also think even if this game is like 50 or 60 hours, I would have a problem spending more than like 20, 25 bucks on it because it's, the quality is just not there. There's no cinematics really. There's really, there's voice acting, but it's like that omnipotent like disembodied voice that kind of carries you through the game so it does cut a lot of the same corners that most indie games do uh, 35 bucks is a steep ask in my opinion for this game um i would probably pay 2025 for it is there no uh, cosmetic armor um what do you mean by cosmetic armor like it just looks like you have the same like you just have a a skeleton oh base. that b-roll i have no armor mitch none oh okay. that's so the first hour of the game so there that's is you, armor though correct yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, okay oh, oh definitely i just yeah. don't see that's any just, so i thought i'd ask yeah i mean I'm not we, sure. we generally follow with our b-roll rule is we'll only show you guys the first hour of a game in game face and so i adhere to that and unfortunately with games like this it doesn't work out that well uh because you're right people probably do want to see okay what's the armor like i will say this about the armor like none of it really matches 
Like I had this sword that looked like it was out of Monster Hunter. I had a shield that looked like it was out of Zelda. Like, it, it, and I I get that a lot of that stuff is that's the blank blank set of armor or whatever. But there just doesn't seem to be a consistent art style across all of it. It all looks like it's coming from like some other video game. Um, but there is just tons of it, um, and so there's a lot of inventory sorting. Um, tons of stat management, and you can really kind of craft your character to be the way you want, which I know is another big part of uh, the Dark Souls ethos, if, as it were. So lots of good stuff from Dark Souls in here. Um, lots of stuff that I don't like in Dark Souls in here, but ultimately it is an indie game, and you realize it very quickly due to the presentation. Um, but if you can drive past that stuff, you don't care that much about visuals and things like that, then maybe... I can see you buying it now, but for the most people, I would just wait until it goes on sale. Do you have any questions, Matt, as a huge Dark Souls guy? Not really. I mean, I did watch a fair number of like impression stuff on these to decide whether I wanted to try it or not, because I am fairly picky about these, you know, these permutations of games. But like, like I, I'm I'm in wait and see mode on this, and like I, I feel like it'll probably be twenty bucks in a sale six months down the road, and that'll be fine. I do like the kind of event horizon angle on things. Like I like I, the premise is interesting to me, but like what I see in the gameplay and what I've seen, you know, not to judge a game by what Jim Sterling says, but like you know, he's not the only one that was showing like all these kind of technical problems he was having, yeah. and like technical solidity is really key to these kinds of games. And if I feel like I'm getting killed because something's wrong with the game and not because of something wrong with what I'm doing, I'm just going to get mad and quit. So I'll wait and see how it turns out. Yeah. Um, I mean, it sounds like they've done a pretty good job fixing it up since like the preview mm -hmm. builds went out. So they are fixing some stuff, but I hear you, man. I totally get it. Especially someone who's like a, an aficionado of these types of games. Like you get to a certain point where you're like, I'm not playing trash. And uh, I could see where to you, this game may look a little trashy right now. Absolutely. Um, I will say it is out for every platform except for switch, but switch is coming eventually. So you can get on anything if you're interested. Uh, next, we're going to talk about the PlayStation 4 controller and the PlayStation 5. Uh, there's a lot of disappointing news this week, it seems like, and this was probably the most disappointing of all. Uh, Sony announced this week that you will not be able to play PlayStation 5 games with the DualShock 4, the PlayStation 4 controller. If you want to play PlayStation 5 games, you're going to have to use the new DualSense controller. I know a lot of people are like, well, of course, you need to use the PS5 controller to play PS5 games. And I totally get that when you're playing single player. But when you start talking about needing that second controller for your bro or your friends when they come over or whatever, I think we'd all be willing to sacrifice haptic feedback and adaptive triggers to not have to spend another 80 bucks on a controller when you're not the one who's going to use it anyway. It's like... I'm totally fine if my bro, when he comes over, has to use the DualShock 4 and he doesn't have, like, the hyper cool rumble. Like, if that's going to save me $80 from buying another DualSense, I'm totally cool with it. But that is not going to be the case. Uh, P PS4, the DualShock 4 controller, will work on PS4 games that you play on your PS5, but it will not work on PlayStation 5 games. Matt, do you think this is smart? Um... I don't know. I'm kind of neutral on this. Like, I don't, I don't think it really matters because uh, I'm going to have a PS5 controller. I can't remember the last time I played a couch multiplayer game with anyone um, outside a lot of like. Of people do. I mean, a lot of outside people of like have the, families and 
like the Jackbox stuff Brother. or whatever. Um, I can't think of any PS5 only games coming up that are that. Um, so there's at least a lot of time before we need to worry about that. Um, Gran Turismo 7, I guess, would probably be... I guess. Who God knows when that's coming. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> um, you know, and, and most of the stuff I think people would want to play going forward are still going to be classified as PS4 games. You know, I saw, saw someone asking about Cyberpunk. Well, Cyberpunk 2077 is a PS4 game in this context. Like, you're not going to need a, a PS5 controller to play that. But that's actually a good one. question, though. <laughs> well, no, because like it's that's a PS4 game. Yeah, they're, 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 Sony's talking about games that are built just for PS5, which I think would be Miles Morales and Ratchet and Clank uh, yep. in the immediate in the immediate foreseeable future here. Yeah, um, and they basically said they don't want to make developers pare back ideas or features uh, to make them work on the old controller, which is fair. I mean, depending on how interesting or useful the features of the new controller will be going forward. I mean, we'll see. Um, I mean, are they going to build games where like important gameplay elements are based on haptic feedback? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, it's, that seems weird. Maybe we don't know everything we we need to know about this new controller. They haven't really gotten into that yet. It's possible. Um, So we'll see. I mean, there must be a reason to do it, but it's better than not letting you use the PS4 controller at all. Uh, Because I guess going forward, you. I probably could think, you know, some fighting games. I'm glad they they said uh, any licensed fighting sticks will still work, which is cool. Like, I feel like that's probably pretty easy. Even if you made a PS5 version of Street Fighter VI, say, I'm pretty sure you could make sure that old sticks still work with it. Like, that doesn't feel like something you would need to really lean on the PS5 controller for. Um, so, I don't know. Like, we'll, we'll have to see how it turns out. But, like, it feels a little weird in the sense it's like, okay, well, why, why wouldn't I just use a PS5 controller then? Um, I guess it's mainly for, like you say, if there's a bunch of, is a multiplayer PS4 game you want to play on the couch with people, or if you hate the DualShock 5 and <laughs> want to play the, it's the dual games, sense, man. I, I guess, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's just more options and more options are never bad, but like, it's 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 a a little like oh okay like sure and also like why did you announce that now like who like it's, it's yeah. like it's sort of like I know we're kind of breadcrumb trailing the info about the new system here but that feels like a really random thing to drop out of nowhere. Now, be, to be fair, the DualShock Three, the PlayStation Three controller, did not work on mm-hmm. PlayStation Four, um, but. That was a drastic upgrade of controllers from yeah, the touchpad alone made it so like clearly you weren't going to be able to, to, to yeah, I'm not this, this to me is not that. as big a leap to me. The DualShock 4 was Sony going from the the old retro days of controllers into the modern age, mm-hmm. and so they're there now. And what we're getting with the DualSense doesn't seem like is as big as an advancement to me, anyway. It may be, I, don't know. I, mean, I haven't got to use it yet, but. Maybe the SDKs aren't compatible. Maybe you'd have to do them separate things to make it work with each controller. I got it. There must be some development controller. I was glad to see it go. Maybe this is a better way to make the point. I was glad to see the PlayStation 3 controller go. I hated Mm. it. I don't want to get rid of the DualShock 4. I really like it. Um, And I don't think that they need to replace it. I'm glad that they're improving the controller for the new system. Totally get it. I just, I don't know. I feel like the PS4 has been huge. There's a lot of extra controllers out there. The other part about this is that this is an item with a huge profit margin for Sony. They're not going to, they don't make much money off the consoles, if any. In fact, Sony's probably going to lose money on the console for the first year or two. 
Where they make their money is on the peripherals. It's like double, like whatever it costs to make, they just double it. And that's what they charge you to get it. So controllers, cameras, all that kind of crap, huge, huge profit margins, which Mm. is why you've seen GameStop. If you go in there now, the whole store is either like Funko Pops or like weird, goofy accessories because the profit margins on them are huge. Um, So there's incentive for platform holders to force people to keep buying new controllers, even if they aren't necessary. And that's what I'm getting at. I don't think it's necessary based upon what I know right now to upgrade to a dual sense for what they've advertised being new in the dual sense. Well, I don't think there's a reason to upgrade to the, the second dual sense out of the box anyway. So like, yeah, I'm there sure are games to play for multiplayer. Then. I don't have a second dual shock four. I still don't. I do. I, I, mean, I do. I do because I had one with the old PS4, but like I have never needed another controller. For, well, for I had system. three and then I, when I gave my old PS4 to Vincent, I sent one with that. So I have two mm-hmm. still. Um, but, you know, games like Overcooked, like that's becoming like a thing. Like mm-hmm. Overcooked is becoming like a sub genre. Like we've got like two or three clones announced in the last month mm-hmm. uh, for Overcooked. And that's all couch co-op, all local right. stuff. Well, so. luckily, I don't see those games going PS5 right. only anytime right. soon. Yeah. So I think the PS4 controller will work just fine with that. I mean, my prediction for this is that I'm going to get used to the PS5 controller and not want to go in a, in a week and never think about it again. You know, like I mean, I'm not. I don't so. want to use the PS4 controller instead of the DualSense. I don't just. I don't want to have to buy extra controllers when I shouldn't have to. I guess is my point. Well, don't worry, because no one can come over for another year. Yeah. Or so, so. <laughs> yeah, with the Rona, what am I even? talking about nobody can go to anyone's house anymore i was interested with the thing where they where the they're going to provide adapters for anyone who has the old playstation camera oh really yeah for the vr like you'll still be able to use the old ps4 cameras but you have to get an adapter sent to you for free and they will provide information on how to do that later oh we should have mentioned that actually everything else from ps4 will work on playstation 5 except the controller all the peripherals work, but well, yeah, just for PlayStation Five games. Technically, it will still work on PlayStation Four games on your PlayStation Five. So it's just wait a minute. Only... Those peripherals won't work in PlayStation Five games. No, I'm stating the controller, the Dual, uh, the the Dual Shock Four will not work on PS Five games, but it will work on PS Four games on your PS Five. Yeah, that's what I said at the beginning. That's, That's literally the, the first about. thing I said about this. <laughs> I know, it just it, the way you said that. We're talking statement, about peripherals, extra I, stuff, sorry, cameras. The, I know, all the way you said it made sound like it was a pure blanket statement of everything, including the controller. So I just wanted to make it real. No, that clear. was my point that I was making is that everything else is going to work except for the controller. So why? I, I don't know. It just seems weird to me. Like, But maybe they just don't want to force developers to have to make sure that the DualShock 4 will work. I don't know. Um, it's disappointing. It's not a deal breaker, obviously, but it's disappointing to me. And then you're right, Matt, in today's environment, it doesn't matter at all for the next, like, until we get a vaccine, it doesn't matter at all. So, um, I am excited to try the dual sense for the first time. I was, uh, I don't get envious of people very often anymore, but I was definitely envious when I saw Keely getting to hold the controller and uh, play games with it to see what it feels like. Um, so I am excited about that, but like everyone, it seems like we're all going to touch it for the first time when we get our systems. 
because there just aren't events where you can go. Yeah. I mean, think about there that. There aren't enough uh, disinfecting wipes to no, go around I for mean, one you, of those events. I'm not going to pick up a controller after somebody else did and sweat it on it. Like, yeah, so it's a different time. We're going to have to just accept that reveals are going to be different, and this is just another one of them. I mean, the good news is we'll all share that excitement at the same time, which I think is kind of awesome. So, Share right. the excitement, not the germs. Yeah. Um, but I am excited about the DualSense. I, I think it will be different. I don't think Sony would, you know, develop another controller if it wasn't going to be better than the DualShock sure. 4. It's, so just not it's all interesting to me in the sense that, like, I could not possibly care less about the controller on anything ever, forever. Like, the idea that I would be excited to touch the new controller is nonsensical to me. Like really? all, all it is is a conduit to me. I don't care. As yeah, long as that conduit nothing... can really screw things up. Oh, sure. If it's if it's annoying, but like I, that's the only. So that's not excitement to me. That's trepidation. Oh. It's like, well, I hope this thing doesn't <laughs> suck. Is about as far as I'd go for my anticipation of holding the dual sense. Oh, like, that's I, as far I'm all as I'd about go. it, man. The weight of it, how the weight is centered in the controller, how my hands wrap around the prongs if they can wrap around. Like I go back to the Dreamcast, and you couldn't wrap your hands around the prongs, so the tips of my fingers hurt the whole time I played Dreamcast. There's all <laughs> kinds of stuff I look for when I hold a controller for the first yeah, time but it doesn't matter because that's the controller you're stuck with and yep. you'll get used to it that's that's my that's what i'm saying is like yeah. what i think about it doesn't fucking matter because i'm gonna have to use the ps5 controller to play miles morales and everything else going forward so that's where unless i decide to get like a mad cats equivalent well that's the thing though on playstation in particular the third party controllers are actually better than the first party controllers they're really expensive ones uh, because PlayStation has not released its own take on the Elite yet. I'm guessing mm -hmm. it probably will, but it hasn't yet. So those third-party $150, $200 controllers are better than the DualShock 4. Um, and I don't know if that'll continue. I kind of doubt it because Sony, again, at that profit margin, Sony's letting someone else eat its lunch, and I don't mm -hmm. think it's going to let that continue to happen. My only issue with any controllers in recent years has been uh, the original DualShock 4 uh, kept breaking on me after right. a year. I went yeah, through several of them. And with yep. the with the control with the analog stick drift, you want to talk about Joy-Con? My ass! Like this, the, <laughs> after a year, every single dual stock I had would just drift off to the lower right. And then that has not happened with the Pro. The Pro controller is still going strong. The one that came in the box with that. So well done. They fixed whatever that was. I just hope the Dual Sense doesn't do the same thing. That's as far you know. I, that's as far as it goes. I just had my right Joy-Con replaced for the second time. Again, jeez. Yep. yep. Maybe and, not. Uh, I don't use those. I just. And, use oh, the by the way, if any of you guys have been waiting to send in your Nintendo stuff because Nintendo's repairs was closed during the pandemic, it's back open now. Um, so if you had went and been, and they were like, "Up, oh, we can't help you," go back. They're actually hmm. working now. Um, so I went back on a whim and I was like, "Oh, they're open!" And so I sent in the thing for my right Joy-Con, and they're on it. Like I got my new Joy-Con in like three days. So. Uh, they're back in business if you have been waiting to get something repaired by Nintendo. While we were talking, uh, Tiny2K just gave 20 subs. What? 20. Tiny? Hmm. You're not so tiny today. Let's not Tiny2K. Thank you, man. I also saw uh, earlier JM Rain 99 was making it rain again. He was dropping some subs in our chat. More incentive to show up and watch this show live, people. We got great, great people in our community who are hooking people up who show up to watch the show. Awesome, awesome stuff. Thanks, guys. Next, we're going to talk about the third and final mid-tier, not quite indie, not quite AAA game that I played this week. And I have a feeling this will be the last week that I do anything like this, mainly because of this game. Um, it's called Made of Scare, although if you read it, you probably think it's called Made of Skr. 
Um, apparently, unfortunately, Marcus Beer isn't here to correct us on this, but apparently scare, S-K-E-R, is pronounced scare hmm. in Wales. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, but the correct pronunciation is made of scare. And it, the game also takes place in Wales and is based on a Wales ghost story. Um, it is a first-person survival horror game. That's what the developers are calling it. And there are certainly survival elements in it, mo mostly in how much ammo you're given. But it's not really, like, it's not a Resident Evil clone, I guess is the best um, way to put it. Th this one's interesting to me just in the sense that it's based on a traditional ballad. Yes. Um, and a Victorian-era horror novel. Like, th the this, is, this is, is a deep dive. Uh, yes. So the setup for the game is it's starting and you're on a train and you're reading a letter from your lover, Elizabeth. And she's basically telling you, my father's gone crazy. I came here to visit him at his hotel and he won't let me leave. Please come and save me. So you're reading the letter while you're on the train going to the hotel to try to save your girlfriend, basically. Uh, you get there, the train station's abandoned, there's nobody around. You have to run through the woods for literally like an hour before you get to the hotel. You get to the hotel and there's a, a phone ringing inside the foyer. You go and answer it and it's Elizabeth and she starts filling you in on what's going on. So her, back to Matt's point, you're, if you're playing, if Elizabeth's mother was like, a prodigy singer and she was famous for it. And she had like one song that was her hit, so to speak, although saying hit back in during that time period seems a little weird, uh, but her hit was like this one song that brought fame and fortune to her whole family. So people would come to this hotel because the maid of scare owned the hotel and they would come there to see her perform and blah, blah, blah. So, Elizabeth goes to visit the dad. Um, the dad asks her to carry on the tradition. He wants her to supplant the mom as the new maid of scare. And she says no. And he says, well, I'm going to lock you up here until you change your mind. And that's where you come in. You're the boyfriend coming to the hotel, trying to find Elizabeth, trying to rescue her from her father and escape. And when you have that first phone call, it lays out what your objectives are. She's like, you need to collect five of these doohickeys and bring them to me. And that's pretty much the goal for the whole game. You're trying to find these five things, then you're trying to find her in the attic and give them to her so that you can ultimately escape with her and get away. Um, the reason I say it's not a Resident Evil clone is because there really isn't any shooting in the game. I barely got to the point where I even got the gun and I played it for several hours. And the gun isn't even a gun. It's more like a... It's more like a camera. What's the uh, Koei Tecmo game? Uh, Fatal Frame. Fatal Frame. Yeah, it's like that. Like, and you have cartridges in your contraption that run out, and you only get like five at a time, and you're constantly always scraping for them. Even in the hours that I've played, I was like, crap, man. Like, I'm, I'm out of ammo. What am I going to do? But really, the crux of the game is stealth. That It's really a stealth game more than anything else. Now, there are Resident Evil elements. There are doors that you walk up to, and there's an empty hole in the door, and you need to find a crest and bring the crest back to open the door. In fact, you find those doors as soon as the game starts, and you run like 
I don't even know, like five virtual miles through the world, and you still have never got the crest that you need to use back at the beginning of the game. Translation, the backtracking in this game is brutal. And it's also one of those games where enemies respawn after you clear them out. Not all of them, but some of them will. So when you go back, it's not just you running through empty corridors. And that brings up the real problem with the game. It's a stealth game, and the stealth sucks. After playing games like The Last of Us Part Two and, and to a lesser extent, Ghost of Tsushima over the last month, the stealth in this game is completely unacceptable, and it is the entire crux of the game. So after the first hour where they acclimate you to the plot and they're like, okay, this is how our things are working and this is what you need to do and this is where you need to go, then it gets into the heart of the game, which is sneaking around from these enemies that have burlap sacks over their heads. So they can't see at all, but they have very acute hearing. But as long as you're crouched, you can walk like right next to them and they, they don't know it. Another mechanic in this game is holding your breath. So if you get anywhere near a campfire, you start coughing and that will alert the enemies to come. And when that happens, if you start to cough in your fire, you put your hands over your mouth and then it goes on a timer uh, because you can only hold your breath so long. And the crazy part about it is you hold your breath, you sneak through a gauntlet of enemies and then you exhale and it's the loudest thing you do in the entire game. And they don't ever hear it. So there's, there's no mechanics for assassinations. There's no mechanics really for the stealth. It's like just crouch and walk slow and hold your breath if they get really close. And it's just trash. The way that they make the game harder, it's not that they make the AI smarter or that they place enemies better or they use better level design or they use a clever camera. All they do is just put more enemies into the game. And it, become, it becomes absurd because you just have to stop. You can't move. They hear anything. The other part of this game is the path, like the path is filled with crap. There is, is just clutter everywhere. And you actually catch on everything, which is so annoying. I can't even begin to tell you. You're just trying to walk through a room and you're getting caught on like a shoebox on the ground. And there's a reason for that. It's because when you trip on anything, it alerts enemies. And it, it's not worth it. It makes playing the whole game annoying. <laughs> um and again, it's a stealth game that has the worst stealth I've probably experienced in a stealth game in probably 10 years. Now, the I will say this. While the visuals aren't technically amazing or anything like that, the game does have a lot of atmosphere. And that part of it is great. So the music that Matt was talking about is actually kind of strewn through the entire game. Like You'll get to certain sections of the hotel and creepy music will start playing. And it's all in that vein. Um, it's got a little bit of Bioshock in it. The, the setting, um, the, the girl in, up in the attic that you need to rescue named Elizabeth. Was it one of the characters in Bioshock named Elizabeth? Yeah, uh, Bioshock yeah. 3 Infinite. Bioshock Infinite. She's, Infinite, yeah. That's who you're after. The girl that you're rescuing is Elizabeth, and she's up in the catbird seat in the top of a massive building, and you have to work your way all the way up the floors to get there. Um, the, the setting is like time has frozen at like 1920, so there's all these like old phonographs and steam machines. Um, it, it just feels like a game that was like, we like this, 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 and this, and we're going to make a game that has all that stuff in it, and it just became like this potpourri of crap, unfortunately. 
Um, there's promise here. There's definitely promise in this world and this universe. Because as I said, they, they pour the atmosphere on pretty thick. But the rest of it is just a struggle to get through. And I really have problems trying to recommend this game to anyone. Like, I wouldn't recommend it to people who like stealth because there's so many other better stealth games. Even games like Hello Neighbor are way better than this and have less requirements in stealth than this game does. Um, so, and then there's there's a Mr. X clone. Yeah, I don't know if you guys saw it in the B-roll, but he's in there. There's this big dude, like, who throws a body through a window and you see him and then he walks away. Like, it's just... It's all derivative and based on something else, this game. And it does not coalesce into a satisfying whole, ultimately. Um, it is $30. Um, I've played five hours of it, maybe a little less. And I don't want to play anymore. Towards like the last hour I played, it was just torture. Because they just started flooding every room with enemies. And it just got to the point where you just couldn't move. You're like, I can't move. I have to stand still until that guy finally decides to walk 10 feet that way. So he walks. Then you walk a little bit. Oh, but here comes somebody else. You got to stop again and hold your breath. It just becomes ridiculous and absurd. So I do not recommend this to anyone. It is available for 30 bucks on PC, PS4, and Xbox One. It is also, I believe, published by Wales Interactive. If you remember yep. them, that's the publisher that uh, is doing that Gamer Girl game that we discussed yeah. not that long well, that's ago. That's a big deal for them because it is a Welsh novel a welsh is a welsh ballad like yeah. it's a it's a it's a cultural thing for them uh i saw a write-up and actually uh one of the major welsh newspapers about it because it was it's a whole thing there um that doesn't sound like it turned out <laughs> much better making fun that doesn't sound like it turned out much better than gamer girl did so yeah i saw someone saying uh andy t monahan saying it sounds like outlast outlast yeah. is better than this way better than this um, well, it certainly sounds like that's what they're trying to do yeah the tension in outlast just destroys this game for sure like the just the threat isn't there because even when you do get caught by these guys it's like they it's like they pat you to death like it's <laughs> not even like scary when you die like there's just not enough tension <coughs> to get me through the awful stealth. That's really what it comes down to in the end. Um, so I do not recommend this to anyone. Maybe at like 10 bucks when you see it on a Humble Bundle sale or a Steam sale on down the road. Um, but as it stands right now, very, very hard to recommend. All right. It's time for our last topic of Game Phase 223, the grand finale. And a game that I did not play. <laughs> and in hindsight, I'm like, what was I thinking this week? Why did I play Made of Scare instead of Grounded? Which is what we're going to talk about right now. It's Obsidian's uh, next game, second game it's released since it was acquired by Microsoft and Xbox. Um, obviously, the first was The Outer Worlds, and there's DLC coming for that. And this game came out, and they're working on Avowed. And this studio is the bee's knees. Let's just be honest. But how did Grounded come out? Matt and Mitch have both played a ton of this game, so I'm just going to ask the questions, and they're going to lead the discussion. Matt, how do you like it? Well, I wouldn't say I've played a ton of it, because the game's not out. Like, this is a game preview. This is some kind of weird beta early access thing uh, that you get through Game Pass. And the way it works is you basically get the first hour-ish of the game. That's it? And But then you can keep playing for as long as you want. Like, you, you get to the first major kind of story beat um, that sort of unlocks this, like, kind of laboratory and a helper robot. And 
then it basically tells you, hey, there's a lot more stuff coming in this game, but in the meantime, play like daily quests from the robot and tell us what you think and all this stuff. So you can uh, still run around and do things, but this is not a game release. This wow. is early access. This is... Like early, yeah. early access. Yeah, this is a beta, Which pretty it much. It took Matt and I to have a conversation to realize it, because I thought, because I was playing it on PC Game Pass, I thought I was like, oh, it just didn't come out for PC as a full-fledged game. It was just the preview, but Matt and I were talking, we were both saying, oh, it says preview, because before the game even came out, it, it said preview under the game, so I was like, oh, it must be an early preview. Um, Matt said he tried to click on it ahead of time. It wouldn't let him in. And then it just never changed. Like after the release date came out, it just stayed at preview. So I, I ran into the same thing Matt did where you get to that story point. I think it took me three hours to find that point because I accidentally went a different direction off the map and didn't find the location you need to find to actually make it to that area. Yeah, it's a very... it's it's. I mean, it's kind of a Give demo, the I guess. Set it up for people who. So, so the basic here's the the basics is even funnier because like there isn't any setup. Like really, there's not even an. They a don't cut explain how you get shrunken into no, the size of an ant. Not at all. You just start what? the game. You you pick your character. There's four teenagers you can play as. Only two of them have voices right now, and so I picked one the one of them with the voices because the other one. Uh, yeah, why so not? You, and you pop in, and basically it drops you right. Uh, it's a first person, you know, first person survival game. You basically get dropped right in, in into it. Like you're you're standing in the shrunken backyard, and behind you is a little like like a little makeup case with like four humans shaped holes in it, like in the inside the case. Presumably that's what you were shrunken down and put into, and it dropped and you popped out of it. But there's no setup. There's no cutscene. There's no anything wow. like that. Um, Literally, I mean, just like an objective pop, uh, pops up in the corner to say like, "Go do this." Oh, you're yeah. thirsty. Go drink some water. And so that's kind of how they teach you the robust of like the survival, the building, the scanning, all the different elements the game has to offer. Um, it, it's it's your basic survival game. And I think this is what the game does well. And I think it's just Obsidian in general is one of my, I actually reviewed for Sifted both Outer Worlds and I did Citadel Forge with Fire. And I didn't like Forge with Fire as much, and that's a survival fantasy game. But I think what Obsidian does so well is the basics. They have it's it's easy for anyone to pick up and play and understand the basic mentality of how to work with all the with all the systems in the game. But yet it does have deep systems for people that want that reward for who dive deep into it. So. Um, but well, I would say it's probably more like as you get further in the game, you have to use those deeper systems. Yes. Because um, it, it, it hasn't happened yet, but like it's hinted by the robot that like, oh, you should build a base because the, the insects seem to be getting riled up. So I think at some point, like right now, I'm just running around and most things leave me alone that aren't spiders. Um, but I feel like eventually I'm probably going to fend off some kind of like Fortnite style like assaults or something because there's tons of options and building bases and out of this and out of Mitch that this holds up already. yeah but you can build the but nothing so far has really happened with it oh, i did okay. have an like, ant invasion so like when i was building my base uh as soon as i started building it swarms of ants came in uh, hmm. but i did not so like the difference between the ants is there's like regular worker ants and they don't bug you but if you run into a soldier ant that's probably like twice the size it will be aggressive to you 
Um, mm-hmm. And so I only ran into one soldier ant that did come to my base. Um, it didn't destroy anything. Unfortunately, this game is pretty buggy. So both a spider and a soldier ant got stuck um, between <laughs> some rocks. So fortunate enough for me, I got to like check out some really cool gear because I got spider uh like poison, I got spider legs <laughs> and fangs. That's awesome. And what you do is you take items and you go to these stations where you scan the resources, and they'll give you uh, work. Uh, they'll give you maps to be able to build things based off those items. So, like the way you the way you can build things is you have to keep scanning resources, and then they will tell you, oh, you can build this if you have X, Y, and Z. Um, so that's kind of how you like get the option to start building things but i yeah to be honest like there's only a few things that will be aggressive towards you it it is a survival game through and through and uh i think the nice thing though altogether about it is compared to like what i've read what i witnessed with citadel forge with fire was when i die my resources are left to where i was where i died but in citadel forge of fire if you try to go get it and you die again you lose it all here, you can die as many times as you want trying to get your resources back, which if, say, like a spider kills you, that spider is going to still be there by the time you go get there to go get your backpack again. So that is helpful to be able to have unlimited tries to get your stuff back because you can collect a lot of resources in this game. What yeah, is the, the, com- the combat is not good, really. It's it's rough. It's it's, rough. it's about on par with your usual survival game combat, I guess. But like it's it's more about navigating the environment and sort of like making yourself self sufficient, which is slowly starting to happen. But like I'm not going to probably play this too much more because I assume you're going to get everything wiped by the time they decide to do whatever final version is coming, whenever that may be. Like. Is but like what what's there is pretty solid. Like the fo- the foundation is good, um, and it feels like a cool like play you know world to play in. They they play around with it a lot. There's little cameos of things. There's a there's a, a battle toads toy like sitting around at one place, and I like some of this. Like some of the mechanics are, as they sort of slowly reveal themselves are cool. Like you have to drink and eat, but like it's not like oppressive. It doesn't happen all the time. Like you basically got to get a good drink and a good meal in once a day in the in the game. I'm okay with that. Um, but like you know, you can drink out of like puddles, but it'll kind of poison you. And the way that it, it's not clean water, and the way that does it, it it pulls down your your hunger. So you you fill up your thirst, but you lose more hunger. So you got to eat more. Um, and then if you want to find pure water, which there's like ways to get that to happen moving forward as you can craft more things. But early on, you basically have to look for dew, um, which collects on the edge the ends of. Um, of uh, grass. grass and stuff. You just can go up and whack it and uh, whack the grass and it falls down and you drink it as it falls. Like there's some fun, like kind of things like that. I've, I've, I've uh, stayed friends with a lot of the worker ants by feeding them. Um, so if like food spoils or something, or you have extra sap or extra aphid honeydew, like you can just drop it in front of the ants and, and they'll come up and eat it. And, oh, I never and, tried that. That's cool. Uh, so they can kind of keep it. I've actually, when stuff is spoiled or whatever, I've actually scattered around the outside of my base and like had the ants come clean it up for me. So that's kind of huh. fun. Um, <laughs> I've seen like, I've seen like a fair number of ants at once moving around. Like I think they did that real well. The ants are actually really cute, I think. Um, but I'm like, is it to return to normal size or is it to just dominate the backyard? Now the ostensible objective is to get uh, grown back to normal size again, but a lot, but the way you kind of do it is you have like, there's like tech from the, the, the scientists that did this like scattered everywhere. So like you have to like 
kind of it's also it's kind of plays out so far sort of like a mystery like go figure out what this is it's like okay play with this turn this thing on oh you turn it on but it doesn't quite work because this is blocked and that's not right go over go over there and figure out what's causing that you fix that then does this then cause something else to happen it's like oh look at this something blew up over here go figure out what blew up so so it kind of like breadcrumb trails you through and and uh and the way the survival mechanics and crafting the different things works is like as you get led to the different areas, there's things you have to overcome. You know, you, the, you know, you're basically having basically like at some point they force you to kind of go through spider territory. So you're going to have to figure out how to protect yourself from these spiders, yeah. or at least avoid them properly. And that's kind of how it how it rolls. I mean, until right now, then, are spiders just a death sentence. Can you not kill them? Early on, they are. I mean, you can you can kill them. Like I've killed I killed one of the the big orb weavers, um, but mostly I just avoid them because you know it, it's awkward. I find it awkward to to fight most things. I don't have like really ranged weaponry because I haven't. Uh, I haven't gotten the resources to make uh, bow and arrows tremendously in, in enough quantities to kill a spider, essentially. Mm. Um, and the combat, I think, is really clunky, and like the healing is incremental, so basically you don't have time to, to sit back and do that and hit the menu and do this. And, yeah. um, well, because everything it, runs... When you're running the menu, the game is still running in time. So like, Yeah, but say, even, the short, even the shortcut menu, like it's too slow. It's too like, slow, it, yes, I agree, for sure. So There's too many options on the wheel it's not because i think there's 16 options in regards to the wheel so that's a lot of pizza slices that's a lot of pizza (laughs) slices to be really specific on the location of your stick basically is what uh, i think what makes it difficult Uh, there's eight on the xbox eight okay Uh, it's eight then i I know there's a lot uh um but i will still a lot um but i will say i do love the building in this um the one thing i do like Mm -hmm. in the building that it offers that i don't think it offers in other games it offers something, and they'll see it in the B-roll in just a second, that there's, it offers like a blueprint in a sense of if you pick a certain, like I picked a certain wall I liked, and what I can do is I can place that wall all over the place without building it. So it'll be the, just this blue transparent um, blueprint basically saying like, oh, this is what it's going to look like when you put all your walls side by side, and you can leave it there forever. Yeah, you can basically you build your base. You can build your base without building out of base. ghost ghost shapes, and then so as you get the materials, you come up and it just populates the structure. No, you, you, you go, go up to it and you and hold then, the X button, and, and it builds build it out of what you got in. in your inventory. So what it's it's. Uh, I like that. Yeah, it, it works pretty well, and it's uh, uh, it works for everything you 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 craft in place. That's um, cool. And you can and you can build, break it all down and get the resources back and put it somewhere else and like it's it's very forgiving. It's, it's not like it's not a survival game that's a dick to you. Is probably the best way to put it. Is like I well, certainly didn't, I didn't feel like it. I didn't feel like it wanted want. to kill me most of the time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's I would giving say, you leeway. I mean, you can now build even if you don't have the materials. You know, mm-hmm. if you're tired yeah. of like the other parts of the game, you can just go build stuff even if you don't have the stuff to do it yet. Yeah, and 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 I think the other part is. Uh, um, I, yeah, the building is just great. I, I, th- I think I think that is probably the best part of the the building is probably the best building. A I've cool seen feature in a while, for sure, for sure. Um, but yeah, I Bethesda say- could take some cues here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like it, it really for feels Fallout. like a. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to reduce Obsidian to just constantly like trying to show up Bethesda, <laughs> but it, but like they really have taken sort of like how Bethesda sort of like rudimentarily sort of put construction in like Hearthstone and Fallout Four and like this is how it should be like this is how it should work and it, it every even the 
the even the smallest like way of like kind of like constructing like a second story on things is easier than anything you do in that regard in any of the Bethesda games. So like yeah. I I I really there there does seem to be a little bit of like hey we can do that better in terms of kind of become. I wonder if Obsidian and maybe Microsoft in general now that they paid money for them is sort of like we're gonna make you win in the next Bethesda. Mm, I mean. They kind of are already. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you're, you're up there. <laughs> yeah, They're sure. putting out games more often than freaking Bethesda. Bethesda has multiple studios. And look at what Obsidian's doing on its own. It's crazy. I know Matt briefly touched about the combat and saying it's not that great. And I would agree with him as well. Um, but how the combat basically works is it's a basic uh, hack and slash along with uh, blocking. And the biggest thing is you can block normally, but you have a meter in regards to how much blocking you can do before you're staggered. Um, and you can stagger some enemies. I think it's if you hit them in the head. I think mm -hmm. if I hit ants in the head, I can stagger an ant. I know that. Are there parries sure. or anything there, like that? Yeah, there, there is a parry that does nullify all damage. The timing on that is really hard to do, especially because mm -hmm. most of the enemies like to like hang back and then they'll like make a noise and then they're going to do a, ra a ramming attack to basically like hit your face and it's really hard depending on which creature the speed of which that ram comes in and so it's just really hard to time at, at most of the time that sometimes you miss it and if you miss it you get knocked down and then you're basically dead because you, it takes a couple seconds to get up by that time it's going to ram you a second time and it's going to kill you um, the ants run in packs that becomes more difficult if you're going to run into an ant uh, I ran into a stink bug which is what you're about to see right now and it shoots poison from its body so you got to keep its distance from there each enemy kind of offers its unique. everyone's asking if there's raid in the game raid <laughs> yeah like the bug repellent the bug killer oh, raid. there is bug there is, oh, a is there? <laughs> okay so i ran into it's not in this b-roll but uh so i explored the entire map i went all the way around and even i found areas where it has a light up construction zone saying like under construction so i'm assuming when the full game comes out, this map will be bigger. It's pretty big, but I think it definitely could be bigger. Um, I did run into a zone that was filled with, with, with raid basically, and I couldn't get like in. Like spray there. cans? Uh, no, or just it, like it was gas giant, in the air. It was a giant container I could see in the background, and then I could see the gas being dispersed in that area. So I, <laughs> awesome. I tried to go in, and I couldn't get in there. It was an um, exterminator, probably. Yeah, it must have been. So I wonder if that happens. If like you can like get an exterminator to come in, and this giant like comes into the yard with this huge no. hose that's like spraying everybody, everything down. But the story I do want to say that the only thing Matt missed probably about the story would be is like they did hint at basically saying that they are part of an experiment like that th oh. this experiment has happened before and that this is like another round of it and okay. so the robot is going to feed you missions and that's going to be in the near future um, okay. but besides that it's basically surviving and building and whatever you expect in any survival game but like going it is nice to see bug life and how comparison it is to actual bugs in reality because the flies are freaking annoying not just yeah. in like real life, <laughs> just they're like annoying in the real game. life. Like my character was Have you come going... across any mosquitoes or anything yet? No mosquitoes, but just what a about fly. bees? Have you fought a bee yet? No bee. Um, the only flying enemy I've ran into is the fly. And okay. uh, and literally my character was saying, am I wearing fly cologne or something like that? I've because... seen flies and I've seen gnats. Oh, I've not seen What about praying yet. mantis? No. Nothing is that, that the final boss? Yet. Not yet. Uh, 
but it is cool to like check out the actual bug life. So like in regards yeah. to like I went into an ant hill and that was kind of cool, even though I ran into a soldier ant right away. So I ran the other way because that was within my first like 30 minutes of playing. So I didn't have any armor or anything. But uh -huh. um, but you do build yourself. You can build armor to customize your character a bit. Um, it depends on what mm. creature you kill to get those things. So there's like ant armor. There's... Um, Being no armor. Uh, there's no sh yeah, I there's a bunch of things yet, but there's like uh, I mean there's, you can make a lot of stuff out of like acorns and 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 dry grass and and all that um the one thing that annoys me about that is is stuff your armor still takes up inventory slots yes which I think is bullshit um, if I'm wearing it, it doesn't use up inventory. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't it has work. like its own location <laughs> on the menu to like show its it's, it's like yeah. it's, it's up um, it's equipped. So it's like it should take it off that slot and put it right in that menu. But yeah. even I mean, so, I think there will be a lot of tweaking uh, going. I think the parry timing will be tweaked. I think a lot of the inventory stuff will be tweaked. The inventory is pretty forgiving right now, but they could That's be better. Say. It's it's. Um, I think it took four hours huge, for me right? to be full on my inventory. And even so, like I built myself some some stuff to like put in a basket or you can build things to put your grass and stack them together or put your um, I don't know what the other thing is. Weeds? I think the weeds. Mm -hmm. Hmm. So now that you guys have played this and it's shockingly it ended up being a far less finished version than I think any of us anticipated are you excited to play more whenever they release a more complete version or were you guys did you get enough from this already? I mean, this isn't really my kind of game um, in general. Like, I'm not a huge survival crafting person for this sort of stuff. Um, I'll keep an eye on it. Like, as long as it's there in Game Pass, like, I might as well keep, you know, keep up with it every if they do major updates or something. Um, I do like sort of the realization of the tiny world that they've done. It works well. It looks nice. Like, it doesn't, there's kind of nice surprises in how things interact with each other here and there. Uh, the, the, the insects are well done. The ants are adorable. Um, but I'm, a, I'm somebody who names the spiders in my backyard. So like <laughs> you can maybe not go by me. I'm, I'm not using the arachnophobia <laughs> setting on the, the options. Let's put it that way. Um, Isn't there like something you can toggle on or off? Yeah. yeah there's, you, there's five levels setting. of arachnophobia, um, setting. So it go, it, oh, you really? have, you either a full, either a full spider or as you drop down it, it first, it removes legs and then it removes the fangs. And then in like the final, the fifth, the highest setting, it's just like a floating, a like two floating blobs <laughs> with eyes. Yeah, it still behaves the same way, but like, it just doesn't look like a spider anymore. Which Hashtag if you wanna, accessibility like, options. <laughs> which if you want to super cheat on that, like if you just go to higher ground, it can't reach you. That's like most of the enemies. If you just like stand on top of a large rock, they can't reach you so it's it's like that's the only yep. probably hiccup is like i would like to one see of the, the pro tips in our messy. survival guide in hq today yeah for sure uh i would uh and to answer your question i probably would say I, I might come back to it i'd be interested to play with other people to like invade an anthill would be super exciting and fun when when if you get a if you're able to get a crew together to do so i think it could be really effective in building the bases and i think if even like the the insects attack your base I think that would be interesting. I think they have a lot to play with. It's just how do they execute it from here is going to determine if I will continue to play this game. But I think if survival, if people like survival games, I think they'll like this one. It's a, it's a nice twist that you just don't see. Like a honey, I shrunk the kids with insects. Like you just don't get that. And I think people would definitely enjoy it if they like this genre. Dollar. 
Just get Game Pass for a dollar and you can play it if you want. But keep in mind, you know, both guys said that it's only a couple hours long. So you're not going to get a lot It'll of go as time long as you want to play it. It's just what you're going to run out of, you know, structured content. Fun things to do. So after like I basically I went four hours and I basically don't feel like I need to go back. I feel like I did everything. So that's how much time you mean until they update it with more content Correct. or you mean you're just good period no uh, again it depends on what they do with the rest of it and if there's actually like story missions i'd like to see how they how they do with those things i but, mean i assumed that there would be in this game well I, they, they hinted at more in the future and that's what they're planning on so i'd like to see an opening cutscene. yeah yeah i mean i'm guessing they will have one of those in the final game yeah they have there's to you have to places. set up the story a little like there's hints in places like there's audio logs that you oh. pick up and it kind of hints as to what the scientist was doing and where the robots came from and it's just like it's all very whimsical, and uh, it's just sort of it, 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 you're clearly playing a beta, or maybe you know it's it's functional, but it's not the full game. Uh, it's just a little weird because like I know I noticed it said game preview preview on it because I've been checking periodically sort of to make sure I didn't miss it because I you know because I wasn't paying a whole lot of attention to this game, and like a couple weeks ago when I checked for it, I saw it said game preview on the on the thing on Game Pass for this time. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I wonder what that is. And then you looked at you look at the little text on it, and it was just like this is a preliminary version of the game, and more will be coming. But it's a sneak preview, and we'll get your feedback. And I'm like, okay, that's interesting because back when they did like the interview segment, like you know, back in like March or April, it really felt like they were implying that this was the release date. Yeah, game. You know, well, somewhere well, along now those we know lines. how they got the Outer Worlds done, and this quote unquote done, and yeah. Avowed is in the oven already. Well, I mean, just because this game isn't done. <laughs> Well, at the uh, Xbox uh, showcase, game showcase, the trailer is called launch trailer. Yeah. Like, it's mm -hmm. like that's what you call it when you launch the game. It was in dossier for this month. Look, you say you're launching a game, we're going to treat it like you launched a game. And that's what they did. So, And that's also why we discussed it on Game Face today. That's the way they're going to approach it. That's how we're going to approach it. So there you go. I think that's good enough. I think you, that's enough to know whether you want to pluck down a buck or not and uh, spend a dollar on Game Pass for a month to give this one a go. Um, it's time for Q&A, but before we go there, we're going to get a message from our sponsor. But now is a great time to get your questions into chat. Just go at Sifted Games. Let's roll it. Ready to get away from it all without losing all the comforts of home? DeShazer Ryan Realty has a once-in-a-lifetime 200-acre estate for sale in Libby, Montana that gives new meaning to the phrase roughing it. This eye-popping main lake house on this sprawling estate has four bedrooms and bathrooms, phone, and internet. There are also separate guest and caretaker houses. It's the first time this property has ever been for sale, so don't let the chance to buy a slice of outdoor heaven pass by. It can be yours for $3.4 million. If you're interested, no matter where you live, contact Doug DeShazer at 406-291-1643 or DeShazerMT at gmail.com. He can also connect you with local realtors who can help you with your specific needs. If you want to see more, head on over to www.snowshoeranchmt.com. That's snowshoeranchmt.com. I mean, I'm not much of an outdoorsy guy, but I do enjoy just the birds and the bees and the trees, you know? Mitch, you raised wolves. How can you not be an outdoors guy? <laughs> I mean, I in moderation. In moderation. <laughs> well, the other thing, too, is that place, obviously, really nice, really expensive. But uh, DeShazer Ryan Realty can help you out no matter what you're looking for. They can connect you with realtors. Um, 
So if you just want to work with someone who's a good person, who's going to look out for you and do right by you, give them a call. Uh, before we get into questions, and we are going to take some, some more questions than normal this week because we are wrapping up a little bit early. I do have an announcement to make, and unfortunately, it is not good news. Um, so today will be Mitch's last day working on Sifted for a bit. So I'm, I'm, I'll let him speak, um, but I just want to give you the quick rundown of it. You know, Mitch came here. Uh, he was going to get a job and then work with us part-time. That all worked out. He found a great place to live. He found himself a job. He started volunteering at Sifted, and then COVID hit, and he lost his job. And now he's losing his place to live, which has led him to this, and I'll just let Mitch share it with you. Yeah, so, I mean... It's just at this moment in time, unfortunately, on top of that, of losing the place to live for me is that um, the extra support from the federal government is making my finances really, really tight um, to the point where it's a matter of time that I would have to move home. And so the time I'm spending with Sifted, though I love doing it so much, um, I have to divert that time as much as possible to try to find employment because I love here in LA. I love this place. I love this city. Um, I want to stay in whatever capacity that is. And so I'm trying to do everything I possibly can to stay. And I have months to, to find something. Um, and so because that I have been looking for work over the last few months, but because of this, uh, finance scare for me, it's going to be a lot tighter. So um, yeah, that extra 600 bucks that they were giving you is putting you over the top, right? Yeah. And I mean, another it taking was, it away. Yeah. And it's it's frustrating. Like, honestly, I'm just extremely frustrated at my government. I've never been so mad about something in quite some time because I've never asked for anything. And this is the one thing I need. Yeah. And you've them. been paying into unemployment, don't forget, since yeah. you were probably 16 years old. Oh, I've been working since I was 15. Oh, yeah. So like, oh, I've been. I, I've been doing it's it. It's dirty, dude. It's the whole dirty. thing is freaking dirty. It's dirty. So I, I do want to just say a couple of things. I just want to say thank you to, to everyone out there on Sifted for being so supportive of me joining. Um, you know, I've always been on the site and I've loved the community. And that's why I reached out to Shane over a year ago to say like, hey, could I move to LA and work with you guys? Because I love this community. I love the site. I love Shane. And I really want to do something with this. So um, thank you for being so welcoming, and I really do appreciate. It. I appreciate Matt as well has been nothing but amazing to me, and of course Shane. I mean, uh, words can't describe how much I appreciate you throughout this entire thing. And this may not be goodbye forever. Um, I just don't know what's going to happen. Like if I find employment and I'm able to continue doing stuff with Sifted, that's going to be amazing. And if it isn't, then it, it's then it's goodbye for for good. And um, I just appreciate everything. I really do. Well, first of all, you shouldn't be thanking anyone. I should be thanking you. And that's what I'm going to do right now. Thank you so, so much for everything you've done, Mitch. It's, I think about the first day when I picked you up at the airport, we had lunch, and then we went into the studio and the person that you were that day compared to the person that you are now. It is pretty amazing, Mitch, as far as what you've learned and how you've progressed. And I mean, you learn more in six months than I learned in my four years of school as far as practical information and knowledge to work in the field. Um, and it has been amazing watching you transform and learn and get so much better at everything that you've been doing. Um, and the other thing I want to say is this isn't necessarily the end of the road for Mitch here at Sifted. 
if he finds himself a job and we all need to root for Mitch to find a job, to find a place to live. If any of you people know anyone who has a company in LA that is hiring, hit us up on the site. Um, it's all about networking and trying to find jobs right now. Uh, Mitch made a huge sacrifice to come out here uh, to find a job and start a new life in LA. Yeah, I'm devastated to see what's happening. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I really feel bad because I and, did And it, you shouldn't. You know? I know we talked about this. We, like you and I talked about this and you said the worst thing would be happened is you move here to LA and it would just not work out. And I just want to say, don't feel bad. Like it's, I just know, because, like, you I remember predict, you when I moved out pandemic, here. And that's, that's not your fault. And that's, no I, just, I remember fault. when I moved out here in 2000 and what a risk it was and how scared I was and how crazy I, there were times where I was like, what am I doing? I'm in San Francisco right now. Like, this is nuts. I'm from Pennsylvania. Like I remember all of that. And I know Mitch has gone through all that stuff and his struggle has been far more challenging than mine. So I admire Mitch for so many things. Um, and I hope that he finds a job here. He can stay here and his job, it works out in a way that he can keep doing stuff with us. Uh, our door is always open for Mitch. Always. That's the bottom line. So if he can get himself to a good place and if we can all pitch in and help, like you really, you just don't know who you know who can help. So think about it, guys. Think about if you know someone in LA and if they have a job and they're, they're working right now. Maybe they need somebody. Anything like that could make a big difference. The, the bottom line is we want to try to keep Mitch here. He belongs in LA. He belongs working with us. Um, so if you, if you know anyone who can help him, just message him on the site at Sifted or at Mitch on Sifted. And that'll send him a DM and you can start talking about it. But I just, again, I just want to thank Mitch for everything um, that he's done so far. And I'm not talking about him in past tense with Sifted. I'm just not. Um, I want to thank him for everything he's done so far. I think he has still so much headroom to improve and learn and to learn. Um, we're just getting started here and it really sucks. I wasn't able to work with him in person more than like a week. I've had to manage him over the internet this whole time. It's just, the whole thing has just been terrible compared to how things were shaping up to be, I guess. Yeah, is I just, I, I keep thinking about what everything was going perfect. Been. And then the pandemic hit and then it all went to crap. So I'm not giving up hope that Mitch can stick around in LA. And I'm definitely not giving up hope that once he figures that out, that he can be a part of Sifted again. Now, there are some practical issues, obviously. Uh, Mitch and I produced Sifted HQ together. That's a problem for me now. Um, I'll figure it out. Show may have to go bi-weekly for a little bit until we can get the production of it all sorted. Um, but I love that show, and I think it's a great show. Uh, I think the more people are exposed to it, the more people are going to like it. I just wish they would give it a chance. But I'm not giving up on it. So uh, HQ may be bi-weekly for a little while until we get all sorted. We'll figure it out. Uh, Game Face, I think, will be okay. It looks like uh, Jared should be able to come back and uh, handle TD duties. But most importantly, I just wish Mitch the best of luck. You deserve it, man. You're a great dude. You're a hard worker. You have a great uh, disposition. Um, you're just the type of person that I want to see succeed. So I'm going to do everything I can to help you. I hope everyone else will pitch in as well. Thank you for everything you've done, Mitch. You the man. Um, and with that, I guess we'll get to some questions. I wanted to uh, mention that before we did the Q&A, in case some of you guys wanted to talk to Mitch and ask him some questions or just bid him farewell or whatever. And it looks like some of you guys have already actually done that already, which is awesome. Uh, you definitely want to go ahead and read the, the chat when you get a second, Mitch, after the show's over. 
Um, let's see. Oh, there's so many in here. You guys started asking questions like while we were talking about grounded. <laughs> yeah, someone tra- someone tur- heard the turn of the voice. <laughs> yeah, they did. They totally heard my tone shift and they were like, oh, time to ask questions. That's pretty funny. That's my okay, boys. It's time to start wrapping this crap up tone. Um, uh, score fear. Can we hear Matt wax poetic about the new Transformers Netflix show? Uh, I don't know about poetic because it doesn't really deserve <laughs> I think that. they were being facetious. Um, I think it's all right. It's uh, it's better than the machinima crap that they've been making the last several years. Um, unfortunately, it's uh, one of the same writers, so it's not that much better. Um, I think his main problem is that it's just sort of soulless. Uh, it it uh, it has the classic Netflix problem of like it's six it's three episodes of story stretched out to six episodes. Um, it I don't know who it's for. I think that would be my main question. Is like. It's too slow and dark and talky to be for kids, but it's too simplistic and repetitive to be for adults. So I don't mm-hmm. know who they're aiming for here. It's a lethal combo. Um, <laughs> like I found it relatively dull. Uh, it does incorporate a bunch of like kind of war. What is war? Why are we at war? Concepts that come out of the IDW comics, but it doesn't do anything with them. Um, and like, it's trying to kind of like deal in the pathos of like this endless war that's maybe drawing to a close because the Autobots just can't hold up on it anymore. But like, because we didn't see the rest of the war, like there's no stakes to that for us. Um, they've got is rooster teeth. So they wanted to go non-union. So it's a bunch of nobody voice actors. Uh, most of whom are doing impressions of the G1 voices and they're not really pulling it off. So, like, I find, like, the guy trying to do, like, a third-rate Optimus Prime impression, like, more distracting than if he'd just come up with his own voice for Optimus Prime. That's um, probably true, actually. There's a, lo- there's a lot of examples that, like, Starscream doesn't sound right. Uh, Wheeljack. That's a hard one to get right. It, Starscream's very hard to, to emulate. Uh, Wheeljack, yeah. guy's trying to do a, a Wheeljack impression, but he doesn't really get it till the sixth episode, and by then it's too late. Um, <laughs> too late. <laughs> There's a lot of weird stuff like like you know the, the action scenes are like they're kind of cool but like the animation's very stiff in part because it looks it looks like they took the CAD files from the action figures that are the, the toy line mm-hmm. and just made them the the models G models like the, you can see screw holes on these guys like they're <laughs> and like the little like I kind of like that though I think po- I mean if you're obsessed with toy accuracy and your show toys like you're there set you on this one <laughs> they even got little posts that you stick like the accessories on them with it's, it's weird wow. it's a weird jo- but then because you have to have a character move like a full person you know like you especially like megatron and and prime you see like the torsos squishing and shifting as they need to bend over or move or turn and like you're like well that's not metal that's not what metal does so it's it's a very it's a bunch of weird choices like it is kind of it ends on a a cliffhanger they've got another the because this is siege the war for cybertron trilogy there's siege Earthrise, and kingdom uh, Siege toy line was last year. Earthrise is this year. Kingdom is next year. Kingdom involves a lot of Beast Wars stuff. It'd be interesting if they go that far with the series and involve Beast Wars because Beast Wars was the original CG Transformer series and bringing that full circle would be interesting to see. Um, but presumably this fall they have the Earthrise series coming where they end up on Earth and have different, you know, they're more traditional looks and they've got uh, Skylinks coming and and um, a bunch of weird stuff like that. So uh like I'll keep an eye on it, especially if they can kind of find their feet and figure out what the show is supposed to be. I have a, a baseless theory that um, they were originally trying to make this kind of more for adult 
fans and kind of drawing from the IDW comics more and somewhere because this this thing was supposed to come out like a year ago mm. to coincide with the Siege toy line last year because the toys they're oh. trying to put they're pushing with the characters in this series they're all out of print now they, they came all, out last year <laughs> yeah, they all came out last year <laughs> that's funny and the stuff for the you know the, the stuff that's out now is the stuff that'll be in the later the they'll be in the show next fall. season so like so yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm thinking I'm wondering if there was some kind of moment where they they decided to shift it to be more kid focused Probably. and like they they kind of softened everything and in the end they just sort of landed in this weird mid zone that doesn't make anybody happy um so like it's like it's obviously it's only six episodes it's, it's you know i watched it all in one go and it was fine are they 30 minute episodes yeah like 20 22 25 22. minutes yep. um and it was fine it's just you know it's I'm, I, I'm not saying that Transformers media has a you know, cartoons of a real high bar, <laughs> but like if you're not already invested, you're not going to care. Um, I love Transformers, and I have after listening to you talk about it, I have no interest in watching. It's it. just sort of grim and dull. Like this, yeah. it's, like, it's like there's no joy in it. There's no I don't, real. I have levity. plenty of that in the real world. And it's right like, now. <laughs> and you can make that happen. Like basically, War for Cybertron and Fall of Cybertron, the games are like that too, but they still yeah. were interesting and they still mm -hmm. had like fun stuff in them. Uh, but this just doesn't have that. The other thing that I think is weird is Megatron has really luscious lips in this one. Like he's got real thick. I mean, he did like, have kind of big lips in the cartoon. No, they didn't have lips in the original cartoon. I thought they he just, did. Not really. They just they just had like mouth. They just drew mouths. It was the animation. Sure I remember his lower lip being like. You're gonna have to trust me that I've seen these more. Yeah, yeah. I, I do trust you. Anything um, Transformers related, I trust you. Like and not like this. Like like Megatron. Megatron in this series looks like he would just like be I don't know be a really good kisser I guess like it's just <laughs> like it looks like he left the lipstick off Robot today slobber. um and there there are characters that do have overlord is famous for having lips as well but uh, it was it's just a really weird choice um and I don't think you needed it cuz other characters in it don't have it um but you're kind of left with this sort of thing that just sort of lays there and doesn't do anything of interest and uh maybe they'll find their feet moving forward um but, but like it's just it's kind of adequate and that's as far as I'd go. Okay. Uh, next. Oh, here's a question about made of scare. Did you save the game by alerting enemies with a gramophone? Yeah. So the typewriters from resident evil are replaced with phonographs or gramophones, whatever you want to call it in a uh, made of scare, <clears throat> but they're all, they are in separate rooms, like the typewriter rooms. They're like safe rooms in made of scare. So you don't have to worry about alerting enemies when you save. Knox, hmm. uh, a turn, Tottis. I think I said that correct. I sounded it out like I was in the third grade. Uh, Shane is becoming the new Jim Sterling, spending all his time playing bad games. No, just this week. And I'm not doing it again, believe me. I don't know what I was thinking. I, I felt like I needed to go back and kind of play some of these games because I, in the position I'm in, I can play what I want. I, I don't, I'm never forced to like have to play anything. And I feel like I need to force myself to play some of the stuff I don't want to play every once in a while. So that's what this week was about. Uh, one super master gamer, thank you for Twitch Prime. That's awesome. Uh, let's see. Um, El Guapo thirty three eighty five. Any predictions or insight on what Sony will be showing on Thursday's State of Play? So yeah, on Thursday there's a new State of Play, but the bad news is it's not for PlayStation Five. So don't get too excited. Uh, they've already said that they're going to show PlayStation VR and PS4 stuff. So my guess is this is probably the last ever state of play that will focus on PS4 and PlayStation VR. Um, I think they're going to show you what's left 
and close out the chapter. And from now on, it'll all be PS5 and whatever the VR product is for that platform. You, you think, think there's going to be a hint of VR2 in there? Like Probably not. One door not. closes, another one, like just a hint of hardware? I, no. wouldn't, I wouldn't count it out. But I, I would. They, they straight up said no PS5 stuff, and PSVR 2 is PS5 stuff. I guess it is. Okay. Like they're, they're not going to do this. They're I wouldn't be completely it. shocked if they say, and we're working on the next generation. I mean, as a sort of thing of like, yeah, this isn't going away in November, like probably maybe, but like you're not going to see PSVR 2's held headset or anything. Like it's, yep. it's just going to be current gen stuff. Also, like, in, you know, Microsoft has emphasized this more, but it wouldn't surprise me if most if, if PS5 stuff moving forward was cross-gen anyway. So a lot of this stuff is going to probably still be entirely playable on PS5, you know, going forward. Anyway, you know, it's all going to be cross-gen. Like the stuff they if they announce new stuff for PS4, quote unquote, uh, on Thursday, I I will probably be playing it on PS5. Yeah. So it kind of kind of counts. You know. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. Uh, Call of Duty One, thank you for Twitch Prime. <laughs> Funny username. Uh, J Reed Vic Seven, thank you for Twitch Prime. Uh, let's I don't see. know what in the world they could be showing. Like what do you mean for PS4? For PS4? I mean, I don't know. Was it like just Madden? I don't know. I honestly don't know. It's weird because there's no first party stuff left. I have no idea. Uh, OCD Master One, do you think services like Game Pass and Apple Arcade hurt indie developers? Uh, it seems a tough ask, uh, 20 or $30 for one indie game when you can get a library of indies for 5 or $10 a month. Uh, the no, indie I game people I've talked to who are involved in Game Pass love it because oh, yeah. they get more. I mean, I know a couple guys who, I mean, paid. this was last E3, but like I asked, specifically asked a few of my friends who worked on those, some of those indie games that came to Game Pass, and a lot of them do come to Game Pass. And I said, and they're like, we made more money from the Game Pass payment than we thought we were going to make total. Yeah. So. So if you can get Microsoft on the phone, it sounds like it's pretty good for indie games. Yeah, and look, they're in control. You know, they sign the contract. They either sign it or they don't. They read it, and mm -hmm. they decide whether they want to be a part of the deal. Um, and the truth is, the deal is so dang good, they're all saying yes, yeah. and they're all signing up. So, Although the question, no, I think, is hurt. more like, you know, does it hurt a indie game that doesn't get into Game Pass? Like if oh, you're if you got, a good angle. if you've got like access to like a bunch of Game Pass stuff, are you even looking at a thirty dollar indie game that isn't on Game Pass? That's a good point. Um, uh, yeah, is, I would yeah. argue that yeah, that probably is the case. It probably is hurting sales of other indie games that aren't crazy discounted. But then you also have to consider the Steam sales, where you get a hundred games for like twenty dollars, and you're paying fifty cents a game, like. It goes back to what I was saying earlier in the show, where all our libraries are just completely and utterly bloated. Like, we all have more indie games than we can ever play. Um, and I think that's just the environment that we're going to be in forever. And it's going to be up to the developers to create a game that breaks out of that and makes us take notice of it and want to play it. So, yeah, I, was I don't say, think it, what's the saying of like the, the top of the crop rises? Like, if, if it's going to be a really good indie title, cream rises it, to the top. There yeah. we go. Cream rises to the top. Like, if it's, it's a really good indie title, it can, it can go by Game Pass just fine yeah. without getting, without having to be on that platform. It's yeah, like, no one was going to, even though Cuphead is and it was an Xbox game, like, no one's going to keep Cuphead down. Like, it doesn't matter right. whether it's on Game Pass or not. That game looks so great and had such great buzz that it didn't matter what it played on or how much it costs, it was going to do well. So, ultimately, you guys know this. It's all about the games. How good is the game? And if a game is good nine times out of ten, it's going to get rewarded for it. Now, there are exceptions like Beyond Good and Evil and some others, but for the most part, 
If the game is good, it will make the money to show it. Uh, Erebus Jones, who is going to blink first and announce the price of their new consoles? He says, and when, but I know that we really have no idea about that. So who's going to blink first, Matt? I think Sony will. Any reason why? Nope. I just what about think, you, Mitch? I think Sony will end up doing <laughs> like it first. Uh, what about I, you, I agree with Matt. I think Sony, but I think the reason is I don't think they fear Microsoft after seeing what they have. Like I yeah, think, I That think, could be. I think they just don't care anymore. I, I agree with you guys. So I think Sony's going to go first. And I think that they, I don't even think it's about that. I think that they just don't care, period. I think they just know that they're going to dominate and they can announce whatever they want and they're going to be successful. I don't think Microsoft believes that it can do or announce whatever it wants and be successful. And I don't so blame I think, them. They have the receipts to back it up. Yeah. And so I think when push comes to shove, and I think that's what's going to happen at this point, push is going to come to shove. Mm-hmm. I think PlayStation will announce first. And I do think Microsoft will undercut them by some amount on the price. I, th- I do think some champagne corks might have popped at Sony headquarters uh, when that Halo Infinite demo happened. Yep. Because that's their killer app. And it's not a killer. So, yeah. <laughs> I think that that also emboldens Sony a great It's just an app. Yeah, it's just an app. Yeah, yep. just an app. <laughs> <laughs> Mitch, how is your new PC working out? That's from Commander Fett 03. Uh, Fantastic. Uh, I love it. Um, I literally can run so many great games in, in great frame rates, things I've never imagined I could do. Like I'm playing <laughs> some crazy stuff. It is pretty amazing. If you never had like a really good gaming PC, it is eye-opening when you, the first like six months that you have it. For well, this sure. is actually like my first kind of real PC because I think I never really experienced frame rates until I got a PlayStation 4 Pro and could play with um, higher frame, frame rates. rates or better yeah. fidelity. And I started to learn I love the frame rates. So for me, like I love playing on PC because I can adjust the frame rate to what I want it to be. Yep. And he's obviously, he's been cutting stuff for Sifted HQ on it and he's been using it for work-related purposes. And there's a lot of good reasons to uh, to build a PC. And I'm almost to the point, I built my PC literally like the week before Sifted launched because I knew I was going to need a really beastly PC to work on the site and everything. And here we are five years later and I'm ready to build. I need at least a new CPU at this point and probably some better Ram. Which um, an update I did. I think I did break my SSD though. So I, you did. Get, yeah. Cause it's, um, so I didn't put it in the episode, but I ended up buying another SSD, but not oh, the stick no. version to just do storage. Um, and I found out uh, probably about a week later that I noticed that I could only locate one SSD on my computer. No way. And there's a light next to the one with my with the stick version of the M.2. So I'll have to buy a new one of that. That sucks. But, it but still I'll runs say this, good. Still for your first good. build, not too bad. Yeah. I think you did I okay. I agree. Um, Swanland, thoughts on Schreier's post about Activision's employee, employees, I think he's saying, not getting paid much. I didn't see that, by the way. Um, is that the thing, the Blizzard thing? I'm or, guessing, Because there was yeah. a thing yesterday where a bunch of Blizzard employees put up what they got paid uh, on, a, on a collective document, and it was kind of shocking how little some of these people... Were. Some, uh, it's not I mean, shocking you, to us. No, but like some people... But, but like, yeah, there were like Blizzard... People who worked full-time at Blizzard living in their cars, basically. Um, and Because uh, the cost of living down there is not really much better than it is here. Yeah, you can't um, afford a house. Meanwhile, you know, Bobby Kotick rolling in dough. Uh, it's his $28 million bonus every quarter yep. or whatever it is. Um, I mean, it's, it's 
not surprising, as shocking as it may be. Um, it's shocking in terms of uh, not surprising that someone that that's what's happening, but shocking in terms of like, oh, this is just how people have been conditioned to accept things. And I, there was some line in there about like, Dude, the uh, workers some, need to rise up. Some some thing. blizzard like some blizzard exec or someone up higher up basically said like uh, you can't put a price on like influence and in industry being an industry leader or something and it's just like what are you talking oh about like, nobody making think art that for that you in the trenches matters on someone at this point nobody I mean, cares about that if you're just making art or like animation in the you know, no one's going to benefit from influence or whatever like when you're just like a contract worker like that that's stupid Dude, if you work for a living in america and i mean work not you're the producer you're not the manager and i've been those before i know the difference between being a worker and the manager if you're a worker in the united states you are being underpaid a lot that is just the bottom line our inflation has risen drastically mm -hmm. our wages haven't moved for like a decade i mean yeah. it's just and always remember and the gaming industry is not immune it, a lot of the companies in the gaming industry are cheap. We talked about not that long ago about how uh, one of Polygon's former like lead editors posted his salary at Polygon, and I was like aghast. Like, yeah, it's not just gaming; it's tech. It's it's all of that because um, they're run by millionaires who are very cheap about. Meanwhile, things. these people these companies, rem always remember that uh, the kind of quote unquote conventional wisdom about employees not telling each other or talking about how much they make only benefits management. Yeah, they, they do like that. The people don't want to do it because they don't want to be embarrassed if it's too low or they don't want people to be mad at them if it's too high. But all that's doing is helping the employer. If you guys aren't sharing salaries, then no one's going to get fired up about anything. I mean, yeah. I hate to say it, but that's the truth. Like, And that's kind of part of the part of the griff there is like they want it to seem like something that would put wedges between the employees, but it should be those your your employee your fellow coworker who did, who makes more than you they didn't decide to pay themselves more yeah like they didn't write that check that they didn't like, don't give be themselves mad at them. the promotion yeah. be mad at the people who are paying you all unfairly right it's been interesting seeing uh, a lot of this news has been breaking since shire went to bloomberg and i think yeah. it shows that like it's been a good i think it's been a great thing that shire went to bloomberg because People now have feel more power than ever before to share this stuff with him because now he has a huge, a huge empire in entertainment in regards to news uh, to back him up. And there is a problem. Also feels like it's a paywall. A lot of people can't read his stuff. Yeah. So like we've, you know, we curate every article that he publishes on Bloomberg, but. You know, he writes probably four or five a month. And by the time you get to that third one, you're cut off from his content. So yeah, he has supplemented it pretty well on Twitter, though. Yeah, yeah he say, does. Twitter, you're right, though. He been, does do that. He's been doing a good job about, like, sharing the info on Twitter, what's important from yeah, those articles. Like basically circumventing the paywall, so to speak. But you're right. You know, he has connections now. And I think the bigger part really is the bigger megaphone he has. Look, Kotaku's not some little dinky publication or anything. I'm not saying that. But Bloomberg is gigantic. And so when he writes stuff for Bloomberg, that stuff gets distributed out all over the place. There's so many news agencies that pay Bloomberg to run their stories. Uh, Kotaku, obviously, it's a company on its own. It's protective. It doesn't want to share its content with other publications. Bloomberg's not afraid to do that. So his important stories, and I believe a lot of his stories are very important, are going to reach a lot more people now. And that to me is the biggest deal of him going there. So it's all good. And hopefully he's getting paid more and he's getting paid what he's worth too. Cause my guess is he probably wasn't getting paid squad at Kotaku either. I'll just be honest with you. 
Uh, we answer one more. Uh, here's one from Cinetic. Best wishes for Mitch. Cinetic. I just want to make sure I read I read one of those. You keep saying Cinetic. 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 That yep, doesn't like phonetically. That does not work. <laughs> it doesn't because I think it's uh, it's it needs European. an extra syllable. It's something yeah. European, but it sounds like. I'll kinetic. keep trying, bro. <laughs> <laughs> he gave you best wishes. Uh, good luck and keep strong and keep at it. I really, really enjoyed your work at Sifted and hope you to keep seeing you here ASAP. Oh, sorry. Something to clarify. I am not like, I'm, well, I'll be on the website still. In yeah, regards yeah, he's to, not like, dying or anything, guys. I'm not dead. <laughs> like, I, when Game Face is on, I will be in the chat. I just will be yeah. job searching at the same time. So, like, yeah. I have other things I'll be doing, but yeah, I'm he's not, not disappearing, I'm on not the face disappearing of the off the face of the earth. So, I still will be around. Uh, El Guapo3385 is saying, let's connect, connect on link, LinkedIn. Um, he says did. he has some connections in San Fran that we, he can help you with. So we are going to connect. On this is website. exactly what I'm talking about, people. Let's let's all get together and help Mitch. Um, let's see. I think that might be it. Yep. The rest of it, I think are just comments. Hmm. Yep. Okay. That's it for Game Face episode 223. Thanks to our audience who has been on Twitch watching the show live with us. Um, if you want to get in touch with me or come at me on Twitter, feel free. I am at Dinfire. If you want to find Matt, it is M Kyle, K-E-I-L. And this is very important because this is the last episode with Mitch for a while. So you guys probably want to follow him to know what's going on in his life because you're not going to get updates here on the show. So follow him at Mitch Sikor, S-I-K-O-R. Uh, and if you're watching this show on YouTube or you're listening on Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere else that the podcast is and you want to know how you, how you can help us out, follow us, the site on Twitter, at Sifted Games. We announce everything there. When we're going live on Twitch, when stuff is published, pretty much everything. So if you want to stay in tune with what's going on at Sifted, that is the best way to do it. So... It is with a sad heart that I end this episode. I don't want it to end uh, because I, we just don't know. You know, I'm staying positive. I'm hoping that Mitch can come back and do stuff with us again, but you just never know. So if this is indeed the last episode of Game Face that Mitch is on, I just want to thank him again for everything. Um, I admire your bravery and your guts to come out here, and I sure hope it all pays off because stuff like that needs to pay off um, because other people are seeing what you're doing and maybe they've thought about it. You know, may, I want to move out to California and when they see stuff like this happen, it may discourage them. I hope that it doesn't. And I hope that it doesn't discourage Mitch to keep chugging forward and trying to find that job and get that new place and live the life that he wants to live here in Los Angeles. So Mitch, I love you, brother. I'm really proud of you, everything that you've done, everything that you've learned. And thank you so much for all the help that you've given us and everything else. And uh, we're going to miss you while you're gone, but I'm holding out hope that you're going to be able to make it back. I sure hope that that is the case. So on behalf of Matt and Mitch, hopefully not for the last time, um, hope you guys have a great week and a safe week. Game Face is up and out. 